Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Round and Tile Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode, courtesy of Jose, is uh, Where Are My Witches At? As we'll be talking about Bayonetta 2 later in the show, along with Bayonetta 1, the Wii U version. So that, that's kind of player. First, though, we have a bit of a blowout of Smash Bros. information with the Wii U version coming out pretty soon, as well as the latest on Mario Kart DLC, Amiibo, uh, some Nintendo financial numbers that are surprisingly good, and first, actual details on Nintendo's quality of life product, whatever it ends up being. We now kind of have an idea. So all that's coming up later. As always, you can find those specific segments by using the timestamps on the blog post for this episode over at Ramtown.com. But with that said, Smash Bros. Smash Bros. Smash Bros. There's a lot on Smash Bros. I mean, the Wii U version's now under a month away. It's actually now under a month away in Europe as well. They bumped up the release date a couple, like a week or two. I gotta say, this has been the easiest wait for any game I've ever It might be because you're playing its little cousin already. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've I don't even, I don't know, I'm not even thinking about the Wii U one right now just because I've been playing the 3DS one so right. much. Right. And then I still have, like, oh, I still have Bayonetta, like, two to play even more. So I still have, mm-hmm. like, there's so many other games to play right now. It's a good time to yeah, it's a good. Yeah, it's a good time to have a wait. But the, uh, well, it's, it's interesting because, like, they could have very easily gone the lazy route with the new Smash Bros. for you and just, like, yeah, it's the 3DS version, but, you know, higher resolution and with, like, one m- new mode. But instead, they actually kind of have a ton of stuff. In fact, they did a Nintendo Direct of sorts which they called a 50-fact extravaganza, and uh, they had a lot to say about Smash Bros. 34 minutes worth of things to say about Smash Bros. 34 minutes of the narrator talking. Yes, of uh, the announcer, who turns out is, like, our age, which is odd, but... Yeah. Yeah. Kind of always pictured an older fellow. Well, they changed the announcer, that's why. It's a different guy. Up well, I mean, I could still picture him in the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I did. Too. I picture a guy in, like, his mid-40s or something. He's, yeah. like, 27. He sings the Pokemon theme in the, narr- in the oh, yeah. announcer voice. Anyway... So Nintendo had a lot to announce uh, in that Smash Direct, or whatever you want to call it, extravaganza. Uh, probably the biggest, craziest new thing they did is the eight-player Smash mode, which uh, you're now able to have, as the name implies, up to eight, anywhere from five to eight people battling. And if you do all eight, uh, you can use any weird combination of controllers, gamepad, Wii remotes, pro controllers, classic controllers, 3DSs, or even eight GameCube controllers, because it turns out the Wii U actually takes two of those adapters. Yeah, because it has two USB slots in the front and two in the right. back. So they actually code the game to be able to read yeah. both, which is kind of cool. I'm actually cause... pretty excited about that mode. Can't wait to have crazy, like, all villager battles where there's, like, projectiles everywhere. Or yeah. Rosalinas versus Rosalinas, and it's Lumas flying. It's definitely not intended for the people who want to play, like, professionally or competitively. Yeah, like, it's... you know, the serious players, it's totally a party Yeah, it just sounds so chaotically fun. It does. Especially with items. Like, if one person gets a final smash, they're just going to go to town. Like, they could just shoot it anywhere mm-hmm. and they'll hit someone. Yeah, and uh, of course there are, though, I mean, we have that many things on screen, there's going to be some limitations, so the, the downsides are no online, which makes sense, the lag would be, I mean, the lag on the 3S version is already pretty bad, imagine eight people, and uh, it only works on certain stages, because, you know, if you have that many people, you're not going to have it on a very, very tiny stage, so they're making, like, jumbo versions of stages, like the Mario Galaxy stage, and Battlefield, and on it. And you can fight on those, and they'll scale appropriately for five players, six players, seven Yeah, I, I still feel like the... The smaller stages are going to be a lot more fun than the bigger ones. Because the bigger ones definitely look a lot, lot bigger. Even with the eight people. Right. Like the Great Cave Offensive, that stage looks huge. Yeah, it does. And it, and that's actually a nice transition. So, And one other thing about the eight player, actually, is that um, it also fits in the Amiibos quite nicely. Which we'll be talking about a little later, because we have a whole chunk of Amiibo stuff to the news. But I, think, I feel like eight player Smash kind of existed initially. It's like, well, we need to have four player support. But we also need Amiibo support, so we kind of need to figure out a way to do both. Oh, why don't we just make eight yeah, players for everyone? Yeah, that's cool. Like, two, yeah. um... Yeah, four teams of two. You exactly. with your own you Amiibo. Your Amiibo. Yeah. yeah. 
But or you didn't just have... or four humans versus four amiibos. I don't right, know. right. Like the the possibilities are just. But yeah, now I think about it, it would be really weird. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it would have been really weird if they didn't do eight player. Like if they're like, sure you can have amiibos, but that means only you and one real life friend if each of you have amiibos. Um, but that one, it's just like. You know, it seems like they kind of were like, well, we need to actually flesh this out as best we can, or else it would just feel yeah. cut off at the knees. I mean, I guess it sounds nice that while the Wii one was limited by the 3DS to some extent, it still doesn't sound like it was held back too much, but, I mean, the, I guess the fact is that it was still held back, no matter what. Right. Which is just unfortunate, but, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, but you did mention stages. You mentioned Great Offensive, which is a jumbo cave stage, or, or Great Cave Offensive. That's great, right? It's Great yeah. Cave Offensive. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, it's based on Kirby Superstar. Doesn't make it any less weird. I know, but I think that's the name of the mode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it defensive. is. Um, the collectathon. Right, yeah, yeah. And in this one, it's kind of similar, because it's, what's cool about the stages this time around is they're kind of branching out with how the functionality of each one is. It's like Great Cave Offensive, there's not really anywhere you fall off. There's little pits, but for the most part, not really. Yeah. So what happens is, in this stage, you're, um, you know, you're getting damage or whatever, and when you hit a certain damage threshold, if you touch what they call a danger zone, which just kind of looks like a white hot, like a red hot block, uh, you basically die instantly. Like, you vaporize. So, that's kind of a different approach to Smash. And then they have other stuff like uh, yeah, the Jungle I mean, Hydrant. Yeah? No, I mean, it makes sense. I think the fact that, um, I guess it's a huge area that's, like, all tunnels. There really is nowhere you could possibly KO them, so you're just gonna right. be bouncing around like crazy. Kind of like that Hyrule Temple mm-hmm. area. When you're in that little corner. Yeah. I mean, they could have designed it so there'd be places to fall, but it's kind of cool that they're not sticking to, like, it has to be this way we can branch out. Because then they have, like, jungle hijinks where it's, like, two separate planes you're fighting in. Like, yeah. two separate, you know, front and back. And, and they didn't mention it, but, them. um, swimming returns, so I guess, is this way yeah. more mechanics involved this time around? Yeah, swimming's back in the Isle Delfino stage, at least, which is returning as well as, I think, Woohoo Island. Yeah, anywhere with water. A, yeah, I mean, water. I'm not really sure which is that Which water. is interesting because the 3DS one didn't have swimming at all. Um, just had one, the, I forgot what it called, Jungle Japes. Oh, did it? Well, it had water. sort of. It just, you get whisked away as you yeah, do it every it, smash, yeah. Yeah, but you can't swim. Yeah, but uh, in addition to those stages, I mean, they're kind of branching out even more than just that. Like, there's a Miiverse stage where the backgrounds are literally going to be encouraging, hopefully positive and not phallic drawings of characters uh, from Miiverse. <laughs> and then there's... I could just see, like, the background filled with, um, this post was removed by Admin, this post was yep. removed by Admin. <laughs> just a wall of them. And... Uh, and then there's the Metroid Pyrosphere stage, which uh, now Ridley is in, physically. Uh, all those people that want him as a playable character, yeah, I'm getting mm-hmm. out of luck, but he will be kind of like how the Flyman works in the Earthbound stage. Way more fleshed out. Yeah, on the 3S one, but with this, like, if you beat him up enough, he'll join your team, and then there's a fifth character fighting, or sixth or seventh or whatever, and it's your partner, at least for a few minutes, so... So it's kind of like a half step of responding to fans, I guess. Because everyone's like, oh, we want Ridley, we want Ridley. And Sakurai's like, here? <laughs> kind well, of. Maybe they tried and like, that was as far down as they could scale him. And they were like, nah, he's still too big. So yeah, probably. Char- sort of boss character it is. Probably, yeah. I mean, and it's cool that they give you KO and like, you still get... He has like his own little icon. Yeah, he literally gets like added in. Yeah. But his icon, the head looks like the Ridley from Super Metro as opposed to the one that they're using... The other M one, because it's the other M Ridley, and they look weird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why, um, this weird thought that I had when I was watching it. He had the gorilla arms, opposed to, like, the super skinny, lanky ones. Right, yeah. yeah. He's buffed up a bit. Oh, really? But, uh, it, one other thing I noticed about this one is that, I mean, they didn't show these in the direct, or the video, or whatever. They showed them after the fact to the press during a hands-on session, but 
the stages are actually up to date with current Nintendo games. It's always a generation behind, but this time we have a Mario Kart 8 stage based on Mario Circuit. And then we also have a stage based on Yoshi's Woolly yeah, World, so which like, isn't even so, out till next yeah, year. They're not up to date. They're like they're ahead of the curve. Yeah. Like it's, I think that's the first time Smash has done that, right? A stage for a game that's not even out. Yep. It's smart forward-thinking marketing in that regard, because like between the Yoshi amiibo supporting Woolly World and the stage existing, like if people didn't know about Yoshi's new game and they're buying Smash and they're just buying Wii U for Smash or whatever, they certainly will now know, or at least be aware that there's something brewing. So mm-hmm. that's kind of smart on Nintendo's part. It's kind of like what they're doing with Xenoblade, where they put Shulk in, at least to some extent, specifically because they're doing this whole new Xenoblade, and they're putting it on 3DS now and that sort of thing. Marketing move. Um, I will say, though, that there is one issue I kind of have with the stages, based on what we saw in the video, and that's that a lot of them kind of feel like uh, reskins of, like, the 3DS one. Like, they're, like they took the 3DS one, and are like, well, we'll change up the look a little and make it HD, but it's, like, the same thing. Woohoo Island's what? pilot... Woohoo Island's basically pilot wings. Well, I mean, they take place in the same place. No, I mean, like, but same idea. You're flying from point to point. The only difference is you're not on a biplane being dropped down on the beach. Uh, Wrecking Crew stage, the, or the Wrecking Crew stage is literally the Tomodachi Life stage. It's a multi-structure Whoa, I vertical. I completely disagree with that one. Well, it's flushed out because it's on a bigger screen, but it's the same concept. Here's a multi-story house. You can find different rooms across it. Oh, and now here's a multi-story building. You can find different rooms across it. Then there's uh, Mario Circuits, kind of like Rainbow Road, and that you're flying around a, a current Mario Kart stage, and they plop you down in spots. Like, a lot of it just felt similar. It's not a serious problem. It's just, I noticed, I'm like, that looks a lot like this, and this looks a lot like that. Well, I mean, they pair uh, really just, closely. I mean, you could say that about any stage. They're just very, I mean, I don't know. They're similar how they work, but, I mean, the Wrecking Crew stage and Tomodachi Life 1 are way different. I mean, the Tom, the Wrecking Crew one, um, you could destroy the levels, and they all fall down, and you have to climb up. See, I haven't watched... That's why I said based on what I saw in the uh, video. Because oh, I haven't I, actually watched a full battle on Oh, I, I guess I've looked through every single stage and, like, yeah, they're way different. Oh, like, like the Mar- well, that's good then. That's like, good. like, the Mario Kart 1, like, takes advantage of the anti-gravity sections by having, like, either the top blocked at some point, the right. sides blocked, the left block, or the right, bottom Right, right. Yeah, that I saw. So that was a little... Yeah, like, or sometimes the com- the back block. So, I don't know, it's just kind of cool seeing the Shy Guys or the racers, like, race from every single direction. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess if anything, the Tomodachi Life stage is more like the Luigi's Mansion stage that's coming back. Right. Oh, that's but true. that one's also destructible, so... Yeah. I mean, I think the Tomodachi Life one is just like a dumbed-down version dumb of those. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, again, that was based on, like, the very little... Oh, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'll agree that, like, they seem to be loving that whole, um, tour... Oh, yeah, like the Aldo the, the tour, tour of... Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is funny, because, like, the one... I guess, map I would have wanted them to use it for would be the Galaxy one so they could actually go to, like, oh, maybe incorporate, like, a spherical where we can actually run around in circles or mm-hmm. not just different kinds of planets and have different kinds of just backgrounds, but, like, nope, we're just stuck with one. Yeah, the, the, and even, like, the Mario Galaxy stage, which is spherical, it's only half a sphere. Like, you can't... How cool would it be if they actually did multiple planets? Yeah, like, of like, all the stages they didn't go all out on, I feel like that's the one they... They should have. Yeah, kind of like the Mega Man one, like, they just kind of, like, slapped on the background and just put up. The Mega Man one is literally copy pasted off the 3DS version. No, yeah, no, but even then, like, the 3DS one just. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not like. I don't know, I feel like they put more thought into the Pac Man one. Yeah, well, okay, the Pac Land stage is insane looking. Oh, the the 3DS Pac Man one. (laughs) Oh, 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 Pac Maze, yeah. I thought I meant the Wii U one. The Wii U one is like a kid took out some Crayolas and just, like, drew on the screen. Although that's on purpose, because that's what the game looked like. Oh, yeah. But it's. That, that looks cool, though. Yeah, and I mean, some stages are really cool. Gamer is a smart way of updating the WarioWare stage. Um, but again, it's a similar The Willy Wolf stage is pretty interesting. It's, yeah. It's kind of like the Paper Mario one, but... Yeah, yeah. actually, that's another one I was thinking of is, like, Paper Mario, Willy World. They're very similar. And In fact, they're the exact same idea where it's just like, oh, the material's shaping different things, and then you fight as it switches around. 
instead of a, po- a storybook flipping open and now you're at sea on a boat, it's like you're dropping down some mobiles from the top and they're on strings. Like, it's kind of the same idea. But I will say, if there's someone that, um, you know, if there's someone that doesn't like the stages a lot, I mean, I this is based on their impressions, I'll probably like them in the end. There is the stage builder. It's back, and it will at least, like, let you build whatever you want, so you get a little more variety if you don't like the real stages. Which, I mean, I think there's over, what, 40 stages? So, no, that's wrong, 25? Something like that. So, I'm sure there'll be good stages, and as with every Smash, we'll find our favorites, but... I mean, so far, I think I like them all, especially the the Pokemon League one. Oh, the Pokemon League one is awesome, and I actually do, like, kind of contradicting myself here, but I do like how that one is like, oh, well, we have one league on the 3DS and a different region's league on the Wii U. I'm kind of surprised we didn't get a Pokemon Stadium on the... 3DS, or do we even get one on the Wii U? We've not gotten yeah, one. Yeah, like Nintendo seems to be obsessed with that stage. Yeah. But, I think um, the Pokemon League ones are in lieu of it. Yeah. Although they're kind of, they're like a hybrid of the Pokemon Stadium stage and like the, um, what's it called in Brawl with the legendaries on it. The one that flips upside down. Oh, um. Yeah, that one. Yeah, your pillar. <laughs> yeah, the pillar one. Yeah. yeah. It seems like they're just kind of bridging them together. Yeah, but because like the the Pokemon League one on Wii U at least does have the transforming environment. Oh yeah, well, like well, well I go, well I go through like every every room in the Pokemon League because mm-hmm. you know how you fight. There's four four mm-hmm. every one every room is like the different type, and they're just doing that, which is really cool because that's exactly how they look. You have the two swords for the steel one, right? The fire pillars. Yeah, the attention yeah. to detail now. I mean, I mean you got to graphics. the Elite Four, right, Jason? What? You got to do you got to the Elite Four? I'm aware of who they are in red. In red, I beat. And X and Y, where were this? No, 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 no. But in red, in red, I sure did. Crazy. In red, I did. In silver, <laughs> I did. It stops there. <laughs> the sentence ends there. Oh. But uh, no, I, I I was a Pokemon master in two out of like eight Pokemon games. Damn. That's like a fourth of them. Well, yeah. That is twenty five percent of all Pokemon. I am a master. I've been beaten as a child. It's over though because I never got that far. Because I never played. Oh, look at that! Someone or some game that I'm better or I'm ahead of you. Never, at, never, not oh, better. Oh, I don't want to say better because <laughs> then you're gonna challenge me. I went from blue to diamond. Yeah, that's true. You did. You missed out. You should get auras. Is there? You should get. Oh, oh, I mean, enough with that. After or, diamond, or, someone gave me um ruby. Oh, so you went backwards. And then I played that, and then I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's alright I'm glad you've been able to formulate better opinions in the time since then this podcast will be very short whoa what do you think of Bayonetta it's cool it's cool but, it's, a, uh, it's a simpler it's a, version of what I just played basically because it was Diamond from I mean going right. from Diamond to Ruby and not having any nostalgia attached to it and not understanding why the trumpets are all over I, I kind of actually really like the music the music's actually really good I'm happy to say the trumpets although a little subdued are back in auras oh. but at least that's a interesting part. interview but we were talking about the stage builder. We were going to... What? I have to play that demo. Yeah, actually, I was going to say our next episode was a good one to cover Pokemon Ruby and uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire because there's a lot of stuff leading up to the launch and I have demo access now so we can yep. do that for next episode. So stay tuned to episode 84, folks. But in the meantime... 84? 84. We're on 83 right now. Jeez. We're coming up on our three-year anniversary, actually. Um, really? Our Smash Bros. Wii U episode, the real one, not this one, <laughs> uh, is our third year well, in action. Yeah. So if you want to send gifts, cards... Not cards. Yeah, gift card, flowers, chocolates. Um, I don't know. Figure out how, where we live somehow. Do we have to exchange gifts? I don't know. I don't know the procedure for this. We should do a giveaway on the site, though. Now that I've said that on the recording, we have to. So stay tuned for a giveaway sometime in November or December. There. Because we'll find something. <laughs> we'll do it. Uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll do something cool. So stay, stay tuned. In the meantime, Stage Builder. Um, I don't know. I personally... Okay, Brawl, Stage Builder. It was cool if you want to dedicate a lot of time to it, but that I wasn't... There were faults that I had. Well, I mean, it was there gr- were faults that people had. Well, I mean, it was grid based. So yeah, that's the so problem. You, so we were just stuck with like, oh, these default shapes. You yeah, change their look, but that's about it. And even then, it was pretty 
limited. Yeah, I mean, you can still do a lot of stuff with it. You can make really annoying stages. Like, I made a series of stages. I think I made, there were like three or four that were specifically designed to just be as annoying as possible. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I'll definitely try to do that again in this one. But... Well, now you have an easier time, because the thing with this one is it's no grid. Yeah, it's freehand. It's freehand, and it uses the, uh, the gamepad's touchscreen, obviously, for if you're doing freehand. Um, it kind of looks like Mario Maker in terms of the UI. Like, you have a bunch of different icons, you press them, you drag and drop, you draw. Any shape, any zigzags of shapes will automatically convert into physical platforms that you can stand on, which is kind of cool. Possibilities are literally endless. Literally endless. Yeah, like, they had, I don't know if you saw that screenshot, I think Sakurai posted on Miiverse, where it was, um, like, two, the shapes were basically two giant Kirbys, or, like, half Kirbys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it could be really fun. And they showed a, someone made a Wii Fit trainer, someone made an actual house. Well, right. it's called... As much as you can get it yeah, to be yeah. an actual house, but... But, I mean, it is yeah. pretty versatile, even, like, ignoring the, um, you know, just the fact that it's freehand. You have, like, all these different backgrounds you can choose from. You can choose any song in the game to put in it, which I think Brawl did as well, actually. But you can also um, texturize the stage in different ways, too, so it would be kind of how you want it to look like that. So if you want a house, you can have it look like a house versus a patch of dirt or whatever. So it, it's pretty cool. I'm kind of excited to toy with it. Although, honestly, I'm not huge on customizing things. I still haven't customized the fighter in the 3DS one. I was like, oh, he's Toon Link. It's fine. Like, as he is, it's fine. But um, but you have to get the achievement panels and all that. Yeah, I'm the guy that doesn't beat his games. Do you expect me to have gotten the achievement panels? I expect okay. you to do the, make one customizable character. Or just one I, I feel like I'm waiting for the Amiibo. And I'm just going to do it with my Amiibo. Because the Amiibos are super customizable. Which we'll get to as well. But, uh... The one downside to Stage Builder that we should probably mention is it's not going to be shareable day one. So you'll be able to make your stages, your friends can come over and play the stages, but they won't work online, obviously, and you won't be able to share them with anyone anytime soon. They're going to need to have a firmware update for that. And a future update's also required to share the other thing the Wii U gamepad can do, which is custom drawings on top of screenshots. Which I can't believe no one thought of that being a thing that would be included before now. Like, that seems like such, like, a, you know, like a Mario paint on top of the screenshot. It just seems like an obvious choice. Like, when they put it in, I was like, oh, of course. Why didn't anyone think of that or suggest that or say that It just made now? too much sense. It made too much sense. And get ready for all sorts of uh, inappropriate images of certain things and shapes and objects going in and out of various characters. It's going to be really bad. Nintendo's going to need to really up their censoring game. <laughs> it's gonna, now I understand why it's delayed. They're going to have to, like, put in all sorts of crazy filters. But uh, there's also um, there's also a tournament mode coming in a future update. There's a lot of stuff that's not day one. Yeah, it's gonna be nice to finally have a online tournament mode, kind of like the Mario Kart one, except mm -hmm. it's Smash Brothers. Yeah, which is pretty cool. But I find kind of interesting that they are delaying all this stuff. Like, I wonder, I wonder how close they're cutting it to missing the release date and then saying we not we need this, we need this to come out. This is our holiday game, and just saying push it to a patch, push it to a future update. Like, because ideally you would imagine that these would all be day one. Hmm. But something clearly went not awry, but it just took longer. Well, I mean, it makes sense. It's a big game. Yeah, but at least Nintendo's now embracing this. Cut sort of all those stuff. people that were doubting it was going to come out this year. Yeah, I, I stayed strong. I said it would be out this November, and sure enough, I don't know if anything. We're in the getting... face of people who said otherwise, who listen to the show and who know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Another place they're getting their release dates pushed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're up in Australia. November 20th. Yeah, that never happens to Smash Bros. Never. Yeah, it's crazy. But Nintendo needed it. And, and it's, it's working for them. We'll talk about it in sales, but they... Smash Bros. on 3DS certainly gave them a boost they needed. Um, but back to stuff in Day 1. Because that's all, like, tournament, drawing, stage, builder, sharing. That's all down the road. Day 1, though, we are getting... We were saying that, like, uh, 
the um, I'm blanking out. Eight player smash. There we go. We were saying that that was kind of like a crazy party mode more than an actual competitive thing. And I would I would say a lot of what they're adding is more party mode and more multiplayer oriented than in the past. For example, Smash Tour, which is literally Sakurai does Mario Party. That's all it is. It's Sakurai's version of Mario Party. So for those, it, it, honestly, the direct didn't really explain it well. They didn't really explain a lot of all. things. Well. Like the I classic know. mode, like I still don't. Really I kind of get. I I read up on it. And I kind of get. It. But for Smash Tour, basically how it works for those who have no idea what's going on because it's super confusing. It's a digital board game. You have three boards of different sizes, which and you can do different turn amounts. So you can kind of determine how long you want to play. And basically, up to four people are running around this board. You're rolling a spinner, kind of like you do the dice in Mario Party. But you all do it at once. There's no taking turns. It's all simultaneous. And as you go around the board, you're collecting different uh, stat boosts. Basically, the little stat boosts from Smash Run are now on the board game. And you collect those, and they're affecting the fighters that you have at the end... Because, like in Mario Party... You collect fighters as you go. Right. Because, like in Mario Party with stars, this has, instead of stars, it has characters. So, you want to get as many characters as you can, and as many turns as you... Or as few turns as you can, before turns run out. Then, you have a stock battle with the characters you've collected. So, like, if I have two, like, DDD and Kirby collected, I'll have one life of each of them, and I'll go through each. Kind of reminds me more of the um, Trivial Pursuit. Yes. Where the real game is after... Is the post-game one, Right. The wedges are your life, so this is pretty much your characters are your wedges. Yeah, exactly. The only difference is sometimes if you're battling, or as you're playing through the board game, there are some things that happen during the board game. Like, if you land on the same space as someone else, everyone goes into a four-player match with randomly, randomly assigned characters. You don't get a pick. And then you just do, like, a quick match, and whoever wins gets an item or Sometimes something. Sometimes you can steal characters. It's like, you can yeah, you can steal... Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. It is Trivial Pursuit. It is the Wii Trivial yeah. Pursuit game for Smash Bros. Yeah, yeah that's kind of funny. But it's also kind of Smash Run just flipped... I Sideways. really wish it, that was um, at least the final, like the post game, the post board game part mm-hmm. was its own mode where you could just say, all right, let's have a five stock battle and you literally just pick five characters. Kind of like cool. Marvel's Capcom status where you pick three characters. Right, right. That would be, wait, didn't they do that? Or, yeah, that's kind of an oversight, especially because they have the backbone for it there through Smash Yeah, Power. it clearly works. That would be amazing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, think, I think it'd be more interesting like to go into a tournament where you have like, you go with three characters as opposed to just one the whole time. Right. That would be cool. It's like, you should, uh, you should it's like, a it's like Pokemon to, Trainer, except they don't get tired, and you can't switch out mid, mid-fight. It's like Pokemon Trainer, except really not like Pokemon Trainer. Well, because like, you, get, know, you get, get switched out every life. Yeah. I mean, yeah, every time you die, you get switched out by force, so. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of... Well, I know, I got it, I got it. I was just giving you a hard time. But, uh, you just scoff at me. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, though, that it's, it's cool, and it's interesting that you use your me. Like, is it probably... Like, it is like Wii Party, except with Smash Bros. But... The one thing that I feel like no one's going to say... Like, anyone that says, hey, let's play Smash Bros., I don't think they're going to go to Smash Tour mode. Like, you know, like, oh, we should totally play Smash Bros. They come over. Yeah, let's do Smash Tour. I feel like the likelihood of that is pretty slim. It's going to be more like... It's going to be when you're already playing and you want to mix it up. Like a few hours of Smash Bros. Like, so, um, what do you guys want to do now? Smash Smash Tour? tour, Might as well. Yeah. At least this one seems a little more fleshed out and logical than Smash Run. Which, as I was mentioning in our last episode, I was super, like, into the idea. But then they randomize what you do at the end of Smash Run, it doesn't, like, you know, you'll be getting stats to have stronger attacks, and then you have to do a foot race, and it just doesn't make sense. So, hopefully this, actually, since this one is always a battle at the end, you know the exact items you're going to grab, you can kind of be strategic about which characters you want to go after. Like, the, the fact that it's random characters is actually kind of cool. In terms of, like, you know, whoever's dropped on the board is dropped on the board, because let's say both of us main, I don't know, Marth or something, and there's only one Marth on the board, we're both going to be trying to scramble to get that same Marth. Which will up the yeah. chances of random battles happening. Random battles happening, is what I should have said. So, 
yeah, it, it could be cool. There could be some strategy in there. Yeah. I guess it's just a nice bonus. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt to have it. It's not like... Yeah. yeah. It's kind of yeah. like, like Coin it's Battle. There, it's, it's sma- yeah, exactly. Like Coin Battle and all the other sayings they have. I mean, they have the special smashes back and you do all sorts of crazy sayings. They have stamina battles again. And then, of course, as you mentioned, they have classic mode, which is really classic and... It's kind of structurally like... It can't be a classic if it's not... Yeah, no, well, in in how it's structured, if you look past how they present the structuring, the structure of it is kind of classic mode. In that, you basically have this... How it works is there's this battle coliseum, right? And there's all these trophies kind of scattered around it. And the... Or characters, I should say, scattered around it. And you pick which character you want to go to. And the characters, you know, might be an eight-player match against seven Kirbys. It might be... It's like classic mode on the 3DS where you pick which path you go down and then you have one to three battle scenarios that play out. And the scenarios are on different yeah, stages but, with different items, with different things. Yeah, but even then, like, you still don't really know exactly what you're going to fight. Well, no, you do. You walk up to the trophy pile that's on... No, 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 on the 3DS. Oh, right. Like, I mean, you're picking a yeah. path, but like you see the Mario mushroom, like, oh, that could be any right. like, 10 Mario character and it could also be... A giant battle. It could be like you still don't. Yeah. Well, this one's kind of the same in that you this see one, which character. You don't, is, you don't know if it's a giant battle until you pick it. You don't know that stuff until you're there and it starts. It's the same know, it, in it that just, regard. Oh, Everything else is totally different. But. Yeah, it just seemed weird because like it also looks like you could have five player battles that are just based on style. I mean, on time and who gets the most points, which is also kind of weird. Yeah. There's all sort. There's co op in there too, but there's all sorts of weird like individual sayings you can do and different things you can do. And then as you win, it knocks out the characters that lost, and the battle, you know, the Coliseum of characters shrinks down, and the characters that won get reassigned to the other battles, and you just keep shrinking it down until you're at the final one, and the Master Hand or Crazy Hand. Then you have rivals roaming around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's that rival that's just kind of there. I'm not quite sure what his purpose is. I assume if you beat him, like, by, you know, if he rambles in the same battle and you beat him, you get a bonus. I'm going to assume he's also, like, maybe a slightly higher difficulty than what you set it at. Yeah, see, the the rival thing's kind of cool if you're doing multiplayer, because I imagine you could be the rival. No, it's co-op. Oh, so you can't ever be the rival? No, you're always fighting together. Okay, that makes no sense. (laughs) Because I'm assuming, like, if you go to a pile of, like, statues, you're going to end up fighting, I mean, trophies, you're going to fight all those characters at once. In one battle. Yeah, that's why it made sense to, I guess, have co-op. Right, yeah, that does make sense. But yeah, and you do kind of get a sense of which character's going to be in which battle, even when there's, like, a million on the screen, because they're on top of silhouettes or faint pictures of the stages they're on. So you can kind of group them by the stage. Be like, okay, if I go here, I'm playing on On It against these five people. If I go there, it's whoever against whatever on wherever so it's definitely in terms of you pick your battle and it's of different scenarios and that plays out how you you know and that plays out that very loose concept it is in theory like that is it does match up there but if you dive any deeper than that it makes no sense it's classic mode i don't know why they didn't make this a second mode and just make a classic mode alongside it yeah this could have been like coliseum mode done one and done (laughs) Like, but it, it is cool that's there. I mean, again, the more variety, the better. It's just I the naming scheme's a little strange, right? Yep. Uh, but we did we did mention co-op, and actually, co-op is all over the game. Well, like all over everything that was single player can now be co-op. Well, I mean, everything that was also co-op before is still co-op now. The only well, thing yeah. that the only thing that got co-op that wasn't co-op before was classic mode. Everything else. No, I thought you couldn't do. Or okay, maybe not co-op multiplayer. I should say because I think. Target Blast, well, that's new, so that now has multiplayer. Oh. It didn't on 3DS. Home Run Derby has multiplayer, which I think it did. I completely forgot about those modes, because... Yeah, I don't don't use them very much either. Yeah. The Master Hand and Master Order, or Master Order and Crazy Order, like, special event thing that has co-op, that's a new mode. That one's interesting, because it's like like the events that were in the past game, or the challenges in past games, but instead of completing the accomplishment board, it, like, gives you trophies and stuff. But it's kind of the same idea. Although I think you can customize the difficulty on these, right? That's the big twist. If you do Master Order you and Crazy Order, no, you have difficulty no. scales. 
No, I think master order is just its own. The challenges are what they are, and crazy order, the challenges are just what they are. Oh. They're just by default more difficult in crazy order. Oh, okay. Than in whatever. Oh, mode. right. It's it's a uh, classic mode where you can adjust the difficulty. Yeah. Right. But yep. but yeah, there's so there is a lot in the game. I mean, we just went through how many modes? We just rattled off like five, six, seven modes in addition to standard smash, in addition to the masterpieces coming back, which are. Those, like, time demos of the games everyone's from. Which now leads you straight to the eShop? Yeah, well, they kind of took you to the Wii Shop channel in Brawl. But, yeah, it's totally a marketing thing. See how far you can get in three minutes. And then, hey, here's a prompt to buy the full game. What a coincidence. Uh, yeah, so those are back. They're going to movies for every character. They're going to have over 400 songs, I think I said earlier. They're going to have um, cut scenes, special post-movies. You can, like, post-win movies you can unlock for each character in addition to, like, their intro videos that they put out. They're going to have an intro to the game on, like, the 3DS version. Basically, this is the one they invested the more money into. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Um, and one surprise they're also doing, this was at the end of the video, is a brand new character. Not, not Well, first, wasn't that Bowser Jr. video really cool with all the Koopalings? I love that video, the character unveil. But after that... They, they made did his a, own Wrecking Ball attack look way more deadly in the than video. Than it does in, in actuality, I know. Yeah, you can't swing it around. Hey, in a CG movie, you can do what you want. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, that was a great bit. But then after that, they did not really a full reveal, just like a polygonal outline of Mewtwo. He's back. So this, this I think a lot of people expected. They are doing characters if, as DLC. At least one, which is Mewtwo, which you get if you own both the 3DS and the Wii U version. So if you don't, you know, if you're not buying the two versions because you're a purist, and you're not buying two versions because you want to swap your characters back and forth between them, here's a third reason why you may buy it, which is just... Mewtwo. The internet kind of collectively freaked out about it. Do you see that video going around of all the people, like, watching it live and having meltdowns? They, like, filmed themselves and just totally, like, started screaming, and I never... I don't... I get why people like Mewtwo, but at the same time, like, it's not that huge, is it? I don't know. I... I can never relate to anyone that's, like, getting that excited. I can, I, like... I don't know. I can understand why someone would be hyped for it, but... Right. I don't know. Like, it's... A lot of them just seem fake. Probably to some extent. Even if they're not, I don't know, it just seems weird. Yeah, I mean, my Twitter blew up as soon as he announced that. Like, so many people were tweeting about it. It's just like, this is, it's cool, but, I mean, I guess I just never used him, so it didn't affect me. And no one's going to get to use him until sometime in 2015, because uh, they're still, literally, they're still developing him. I mean, he's one of my favorite Pokemon, but, I don't know, I'll just... Right, um, they're just like, alright. Yeah, it's just, it is what it is. Like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, but he... If anything, uh, I'm more excited about the potential for new characters. Yes, I agree, that's what I was about to say. He he opens the door a lot for that sort of thing. Yeah. Because if they can put Mewtwo in both versions, what's stopping them from doing the rumored chorus men? Or, or anything doing, for that matter. And exactly. Well not Ridley. Anything. I guarantee he will never not be a character. Well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's well, other and Ridley no. Yeah, that, how confusing would that be if you're Ridley and then you're teaming up with the other Ridley from your parallel well, like your parallel universe Ridley? You'll be a lot smaller. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And not really parallel universes, they're all one timeline, but Yeah. Yeah. I guess it'd be like Toon Link fighting alongside Normal Link. No, it wouldn't, actually, because those are different times. No, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't work, especially because <laughs> they... Especially, unless, like, they had left um, Spirit Tracks Link on the stage while you're playing as Toon Link, but since they didn't, they kind of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they swapped him out for... Uh, what's his name? Alfonso. 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 I forgot his name. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Alfonso. Um, one, but, so Mewtwo, hopefully, is the star. And, you know, that could mean new stages, too. I mean, we did talk about last episode how people found in the code of Smash Bros. 3DS references to a shop for new stages. So, clearly Nintendo has now opened the door for DLCs. So, it's only a matter of time, I think. 
Well, I mean, um, it seems like they've been embracing DLC full on for a long time. Oh yeah, but I meant for Smash Bros. Yeah. in particular. Yeah, yeah. D- Nintendo's been doing DLC like crazy lately, and they've been doing it right for the most part, which is. Like, I mean, nice. every core game they released had DLC since they came out. Since they I think Mario Kart was the first one that really did, but Mario Kart did. Hyrule Warriors does. Mario Golf. Mario Golf. Oh yeah, Mario Golf was first. Mario Fire Golf. Emblem. Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem was the very first in February. New Super yeah. Mario Brothers Two. Yeah. Did New Super Mario Brothers Two come out before Fire Emblem? Yeah, Fire Emblem was over a year ago. Yeah. No, 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 no. Pikmin 3. Yeah. Yeah, every major game, you're right. Um, Bravely Default, Fantasy Life. Uh, let's just rattle off games for 20 minutes. Uh, Except um, Donkey Kong Country and Mario 3D World, I believe. I don't think they had any 3D kind of DLC. World. I don't think they had no, any kind of DLC. not really. But that's when they're still, like, figuring it out. Yeah. I think um, Mario Golf really signaled when they are doing it in, like, a very major, major core part of the game way. Because yeah. even with, like, even with... Um, Pikmin 3, it was kind of an afterthought. Like, it was way after the game came out. Yeah. But, but the one, there is uh, the final aspect of, of Smash we still have to cover, which is Amiibo. Kind of touched on it at the beginning, but Amiibo is going to be a very, very big part of this game, at least in terms of the marketing. They're, Amiibo's everywhere already. They have displays it. Amiibo! I love that animation they do. It makes such perfect sense. Because they put the A down like the figurine. Anyway, uh, so as previously discussed, Nintendo's previously talked about how Amiibos basically you have these figure players, their um, computer controlled fires are with you in the game. FPs. FP. It stands for figure players. I know. Yes. Uh, if you, so if, and they learn from you. So if you fight alongside them or fight, fight against them, they will pick up your habits. So if you grab items a lot, they grab items a lot. If you never grab items, they'll never grab items. They don't even know how to use items. Like if you have items off and you're fighting and they're up to level 40 or something and they turn items on, they will not know what to do with the items and just keep fighting. Like, they really learn based on what you it's do. It's good that it's not kind of like Mario Kart, where um, if you're playing with a friend, you'll sometimes encounter them in Grand Prix, but um, mm-hmm. even if like you're not connected to them, but it'll just kind of base their AI on how they played. So if they used a lot of bananas for whatever reason, or they somehow got a lot of bananas, they'll call them a banana blitzer. For some reason, the only item they'll ever get is bananas. Right. right. Or if they like to block a lot, they'll just always hold the sh- shell behind them and like never shoot it. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I'm still kind of weary on their how good they'll actually be. But I'm hoping that they're as good as advertised. Yeah, I mean, based on impressions I was reading from the hands-on event Nintendo right after the Smash video um, with the press, it seems like they're really stupid at first. Like they will just like they have to like learn how to well, do I mean, a single like, attack. But I mean, they it, level up. I mean, I mean, they said the levels are they correlate to how they are in like levels one through nine. So level yeah. one on an amiibo is level one on the AI. Yeah, yeah. Ready. So, yeah, level one computers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the nice thing is they do um, level up rather quickly. So you can get up to level 50, and the first levels they go through really fast. Yeah, that they level kid up... in the commercial made it look like he leveled up pretty fast. He did level up. Oh, God, that commercial. Yeah. So 90s. That commercial was so 90s. But uh, he, he, they, you know you Amiibo, it. I did actually, kind of. The, <laughs> it's kind of cringeworthy, though. Um, the Amiibos can level up to level 50, but the nice thing is if you battle them against each other, so if you're, like, training them, level up fast, faster and if you take your amiibo to your friend's house your customized amiibo and battle it there it'll, it'll also level up faster on that person's wii u and then you can bring it back and whatnot so it, it kind of it's it's kind of cool because one they learn from you and two you can customize how they learn or not how they learn but what they learn so in addition to like custom move sets which you can do with your own fighters those are there too but you can also do um special abilities you can have up to three of them at any one time if you give it to the amiibo, it has it and it does what it does with it, but you cannot use it on a second one. It's almost like teaching a move to a Pokemon or something, like a TM or something. So basically, like, there's some there like Smash Ball retention, where it will be able to, you know, pe- people have a hard time being the Smash Ball out of it. 
or can have like attack strength that's you know one and a half times stronger when it punches or kicks or whatever or better defense or that sort of thing so you can kind of if you don't like how it's learning from you, you can kind of skew it a little with the special movesets. Yeah. It's almost like training a Pokemon, if you think about it's it. It's very much like training a it's Pokemon. It's basically a Pokemon. It's almost exactly like training a Pokemon. Especially if you do Pokemon-style battles with it, where you take it like, oh, I'm going to carry my six Amiibos with me to my friend's house, and we're going to... Well, okay, yeah. And, I'm, we're, I'm, and we're going to knock them out one by one. Yes, I mean, if you're going to be like, I'm going to put these six Amiibos into these round spherical things on my belt and walk over <laughs> and then say, I choose you as I take it out of said spherical leading with a Zelda. I should counterpick with my, I don't know... Fox or something. Greninja, yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it definitely is very Pokemon-esque. And it, it does, like I was saying earlier, it does make sense that, you know, a player Smash exists now, because that's what this is made for. Because you can have them as teams, you can have them as opponents, you can have them fight each other, you can have them, you know, you can do any, really, any configuration. And how it works is you just scan it into the game, you do what you're gonna do with it, you let it do its thing, and then when you're done, you just plop the amiibo back down and it sends the data back. Or presumably you just leave it on the gamepad and use a separate controller. Either or. Yeah. But that's the only thing that's going to be kind of a hassle to be like, oh, right, I need a resave to my Amiibo, and you have to, like, actually put it back down and fit. Like, I haven't had to physically do something to save since, like, the days of... I can't even think of ever, because memory cards, yeah, I had to plop them in, but then you left them in. I, I got some practice with that with um, the Rumble Arena, the little mm, thingies. Mm-hmm. Essentially the same thing. Right, yeah, because they're in FC yeah. as well. They're just their beta test for this. Yeah, pretty much. It was Nintendo, like, dipping their toe in the water, and now they're jumping in. Like, off the deep end, basically. But the the one thing about Amiibo that's kind of... Um, that kind of the one thing that I'm hesitant about and that I'm a little worried for Nintendo for is... Is this a game-selling feature? Like, it sounds cool. Like, now that it's there, like I'm going to buy Amiibo. It sounds like it's the other way around. Yeah, it's like an extra... It sounds like, like, oh, you already have the game, might as well... Get Amiibo. Like, you want to extend the life of the game. That's kind of how I'm seeing it. Just, like, right. more replayability as opposed to... You're getting the game for them. Because, I mean, yeah, the games aren't even designed for them. It's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, because it just strikes me as like, because I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to train up a couple Amiibos. Sure, why not? I have the game and I'll buy some Amiibo, which is exactly what you're saying. Like, I guess for little kids, they might be like, oh, I want to have all the Amiibo. But it doesn't seem like, like a uh, game the, seller. They're, they're just so huge, the whole Skylander thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I have, yeah. like a few kids every day always bringing their Skylander toys. They don't do anything with them, but they just like having them. Right. But Skylanders are more toy-friendly, I feel like. Like, the Amiibo look like the they're whole... on a stand. They're pre-posed. Like, Skylanders are just like a toy, right? Like, they're well, just no, a stand. No, they're, they're, no, they're exactly they're on the same. Stand. Yeah, like, except huh. it's the only difference is that their stand is, um... It's very... It's incorporated into the design of the toy. So, the let's say it's like a water... Warrior. Oh right, it'll be like a. It'll be wave. like it'll look like a little platform that they're setting up, but it'll be like a wave. Or it'll, it'll look really cool. Like they designed right. it specifically for the toys. And Nintendo just well, Nintendo just did the and, trophy and, design. Yeah, and, and I was um getting a closer look at the Skyrim toys and the Disney Infinity toys the other day. Because mm-hmm. I mean, later we'll talk about their the mass production quality. <laughs> and um, yeah. I'm like, oh, they actually don't look that much better or worse than the than the mass production versions of the Nintendo ones. It, yeah. the, the only difference is that um. You could tell they designed these toys, both Skylanders and Disney Infinity, with um, mass-producing them in mind. So the designs are very simple. They're just, like, very simple shapes. Um, they don't really get too complicated, especially with um, the Disney Infinity ones. It's, like, all yeah. the crazy-looking Disney characters got simplified into just simple shapes. And like, now I understand why they did that. I and, thought it was a just, uh, it's that, you know, just for the look. Yeah, and Nintendo, yeah. on the other hand, they were just going, like, all right, this super crazy art that we got, we're going to turn that into a trophy. But Which looked great in the prototype photos and looked great when we saw it on display at Comic-Con and when I saw it again at GameStop. Like, they looked yeah, really if, good. If they had stylized really them, they, they probably wouldn't have suffered this. Yeah. But, I don't know, it doesn't the, matter. This, by the way, this is a good 
switch over to Amiibo stuff. The this is that um, some photos came out of final mass production Amiibo. Yeah, as you kind of touched on, they're not as high quality as those prototype pictures, or even the ones we saw in person. I mean, I was lucky enough to actually see these firsthand, the final ones. When I was in New York last week, Nintendo World had a display with like eight of them, six of them, eight of them. The the actual final versions, like Link with the big orange plastic. Yeah. And yeah, there's some noticeable differences. Link's by far the most noticeable, because uh, he completely switched poses. He's leaning on the other leg now, and he has this weird orange stick kind of holding up his leg. We Fit Trainer has like a plastic thing holding up like her a foot. Cast, yeah, because yeah, she's too her legs too narrow to support the weight properly. Fox has like these blue uh, support things on his leg, these yeah. giant hunks of plastic. Peach's hands are like a little fatter. Before Peach's they were like Peach's weird. face looks different. Like, well, it just looks like it was painted by a machine as opposed to like right. But that's a noticeable difference. Oh, yeah. Villager, um, I didn't see his first hand. I saw like the embossing on her dress was used to be like actually sculpted in, and now it's just painted. Yeah. Yeah, she looked, yeah, because my, uh, my friend and I, we were in Nintendo World, and we were looking at the photos on the display, you know, the actual, like, production prototype high-res press art, and we were looking at the physical one, and we're sitting there like, Peach looks weird now. Like, she looks great in that, like, render, or that prototype photo, but the one in front of us definitely looks not as great. But, and then Marth. Marth is an interesting one, because uh, his sword, one, looks weird now. It's, like, oddly fat. And two, he has so much intricate detail on his cloak or whatever that just is kind of there but kind of not like it they took out some of the like wrinkles that were in the prototype and it's just like a flat blue with like little trim which looks fine but then you see donkey kong or fox donkey kong looks great yeah donkey kong yeah. fox still have that detail that they had in the prototype so why did like marth lose wrinkles why did peach lose wrinkles it's weird that donkey kong still has all his creases and his pockets and his cargo pants and whatnot and yet peach and fox. marth or yeah what i say fox i mean donkey kong uh yeah i meant fox thank you and yeah and donkey kong's fur looks really good like, I don't get... Even what, Kirby how they, is kind of weird, like, the face. Yeah, I will say, the more simple geometric shapes, which is why Disney... Yeah, Yoshi looks did. exactly the same. Yoshi looks the same, Pikachu looks good. Kirby looks mostly good, but yeah, something happened to his mouth. Like, the mouth-eye ratio. Something happened. I can't yeah, believe it. It's just like, I don't know, it's like they just got stamped on, so sometimes the eyes aren't perfectly centered. Or yeah. It's just kind of odd. And then, like, Villager has that issue, because they did a, a shifted perspective, like, an angled perspective on it, so one pupil slightly bigger than the other... But when they mass produce it, the pupil sizes aren't always exactly the right ratio, so it looks like bug eyed or something. Like it's 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 strange. I think Nintendo will work out those kinks over time. I think they might be first runs gonna look particularly well, weird. Yeah. And then later figurines will have simpler designs and will be more simple geometric shapes well, where it works better. So I feel like they're always just gonna stick with whatever the game looks like if they make a Wooly World one, they're just Oh, I can't wait for a Wooly they're, World. They're gonna have to one. make a Wooly World Yoshi essentially. Well actually the current Yoshi supports Wooly World. As oh. does So they may not have to make a Wooly World Yoshi. Or maybe they'll yeah. make a Special edition limited time Wooly World Yoshi. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, Iwata was saying, Satori Iwata's president was saying during the investor meeting, which we'll get to later, that Nintendo only has limited shelf space for these things. So don't expect them all to always be available. In fact, they're going to be rotating out Smash Bros. figurines pretty quickly. Once they're out of their initial supply or two, it, some will come back and some will be replaced. And so, the ones that sell a lot will come back. Yeah, the more popular characters, obviously. But And then that also, of course, opens the door for special edition figures, which leads all to a whole nother series of questions in that retail displays are popping up for Amiibo now. And on those retail displays are silhouettes of figurines that don't exist. There's a Pikmin one. There's a Tom Nook one. There's a Bowser one, which I'm sure you're excited for. There's Mario and Link in completely different poses. And these are these silhouettes aren't just like in a corner of a display. They're the centerpiece of the display. Like the buttons are yeah, tied to they the They just look like... I don't think they're... Maybe they do have a Tom Nook or Pikmin toy down the line, but I don't think those are... 
based on any actual toys that they're going to make. But see, that seems super weird because they also have Tom Duck and Pikmin in the character art on the top of the display. No, like, that's it's it. super it's weird it. that they have them and then they have no toys announced. No, that's it. Like, I'm sure they'll make a toy for them, but I'm yeah. pretty sure like those silhouettes don't represent any toy that actually matches that or, silhouette. Or it plays into the, cus- the special edition thing, like you said. And maybe, yeah, we have Mario and Link right now in their Smash Bros. form. What if they did a general limited run? Well, no, because like, the thing about it is... um. If you silhouetted the toy, like the Mario one that is out right now, right? Oh, it the, the, okay. the silhouette won't really look that good. You can you can't yeah. really tell it's Mario because he has the fireball thing. Like, what's that gonna look like? And Link has that weird stick coming out of him, so that'd be a weird silhouette. Yeah, or just like yeah. the way they're posed. Like Bowser probably doesn't have a good silhouette, so they. You think know. they just did flat? I'm, 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 I'm just thinking from like a drawing point of view. Like, oh, right. Bowser's easily recognizable from the side, so obviously they're gonna put him from the side, not from that two thirds angle. That makes sense. And Mario, he has that arm up, how they had him in that prototype before they even announced the Mario with the fireball. Right. right. I mean, that's like his most recognizable one. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I'm just thinking. I wonder if they're now gonna use those and go, oh hey, we can make figurines out of these and sell them. I mean, yeah. I mean, the only stop from doing that, but just yeah. from. But I think it confirms we're going to see Pikmin and Tom Nook eventually. Yeah. I guarantee we'll see Isabelle as well. I bet you it'll be an Isabelle Amiibo around the time of the Mario Kart Animal Crossing crossover. Or maybe whenever they make Mario Kart... I mean, Animal Animal Crossing Crossing Wii U. U. So next holiday, if I had to guess. Yeah, that that makes sense. But the the display also showed that uh, which Amiibos work with which games currently. And um, the interesting one is Hyrule Warriors now supports Amiibo. Uh, so we don't know how, we don't know when, we don't know why. I mean, we do know why, because they want money. But we don't know, the, like, how it's going to work at all. Uh, but Nintendo put out a tweet, and sure enough, it's in the display that there will be the Link Amiibo working with Hyrule Warriors in some way. And they also showed in the display that Mario, Donkey Kong, Peach, and Yoshi's Amiibos all will work with Mario Kart 8. So, again, we don't know what they're going to do with Mario Kart 8. We don't know how it's going to work, but we know it's there, and we know that they're already starting to reuse the current set of toys with multiple. Yeah, Yoshi gets around. Yoshi gets around. He's in like every game. He is the most versatile. Except Hyrule Warriors, basically. Yeah, and Captain Toad. But okay. he works with Mario Party, Yoshi Boy World, obviously Smash, Mario Kart. That's it. Four games. Yeah, those four games. But still, four out of like six is a pretty good hit ratio for, yeah. for Yoshi. So if you want bang for your buck, get Yoshi. And what's interesting to me about this whole thing is they are already advertising Mario Kart having amiibo support hyrule warriors they're also advertising so i suspect we might see why soon but in the case of mario kart we're already due for dlc for mario kart this month what can I the amiibos possibly do that i have no that, idea that isn't going to make mario kart even more awesome you than see it I, is. I don't know but i feel like we might find out really soon because the dlc is coming like any week now it's going to be this month and they're promoting very heavily that mario kart 8 supports deal well, supports we're... amiibo so like because like, presumably you would want to use it the day you have it yeah right? Yeah, the fact that this display at Walmart or whatever is already saying, like, these toys work with these games, they can't not have them work for, like, six months. They're going to need to step on, <laughs> like, you know, make it happen soon. So I bet you the DLC from Mario Kart 8 is going to have the Amiibo support baked in. And mm-hmm. speaking of, that DLC is actually getting kind of better and better by the day. They finally revealed the full contents. We now know everything it comes with. Um, the two new tracks, one is a familiar one, one is... Wait, well, we know everything? Familiar. We know everything that comes in so the package. So we know all eight tracks? No, there's only two tracks. No, there's, there's two. two tracks, three characters, and four cards. No, there's two cups. Oh, you're right. That's eight tracks. You're right, two cups. Because okay, it, fine. Yeah, we know it, two it, out of eight tracks. Because it said if you download both, you get 50% more game, which would be right. 16 more tracks. That's right, you're right. Yeah, because you get one retro cup and one brand new cup. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, we know two out of eight I mean, tracks. We know, we know all the cards. I mean, we, we know, know all the characters. A, we know the Skyward 
there's a Skyward Sword themed stage. Oh, that's right. We don't. But we don't know what it looks like yet. You're right. And there's probably an F Zero one too. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was that picture of that. So here's what we do know. Let me rephrase. Uh, good, good call. Good catch. Here's what we do know. Uh, Yoshi Circuit from Double Dash, and then again from Mario Kart DS, is in. Yeah, the first stage to come back that's already had a remake. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's the first yeah, double so, dip. So now people are. I, I've been seeing a lot of comments like hoping for a baby park. That'd be cool. I like Baby Park a lot, just because it's so tiny and chaotic. Yeah, and chaotic. But so that's coming back, and they're making. It's basically the same stage, but of course it's in HD now, and they're updating some stuff. Like some of the secrets are like behind waterfalls now, instead of just being out in the open and that sort of thing. Um, and more interestingly, at least to me, is the long hinted Excite Bike course is back now, called Excite Bike Arena. Has a pretty snazzy remix of the Excite Bike theme, but more to the point, it's a bit. Of a, it's kind of like Baby Park, just stretched out. Like it's an oval. And it looks like it's going to be chaotic because it looks like... I can't tell if it's every lap it changes or if they're changing dynamically in real time. But the ramps and the jumps in a typical Excite Bike track are different. No, oh, yeah. Different. I'm going to assume it's different every time you play it. Right. Because unless like it's actually changing while you're riding on it. Because, I mean, if you're like way ahead of someone else, yeah. if it changes every lap, that means it's going to change on someone that's right, further behind. Right. But, I mean, it could be like Excite... It could be like Excite Truck... And excite bots, which are also part of the same franchise, in that they literally will morph in the middle of the but track. Again, One person triggers it, and then it changes. But then again, the Nintendo track. or at least Mario Kart doesn't has never had any kind of dynamic. Map. Yeah, that's why I don't think it will necessarily it's not, do that. It's not like but transformed where they actually change like mid race. Yeah, do they, want, they just had those right. Yeah, those three sectioned ones. But. The only reason I'm even considering it as a possibility is because even in that trailer, they showed so many different configurations. So, I, yeah, it could just be they're using different races. Yeah, I mean, that's, or that's, that's, that's how race. I just thought. Yeah. Like, oh, one race is like this. Because they were showing the finish line of each one. True. And you can't have three finish lines at the same time. True. Well, you can have the line and you go over it because you're doing multiple laps. No, no, like... But it wouldn't be the finish line. It'd be oh, the lap, I, I, the I, lap I, line. I assume there was a last lap, but... Uh, I, yeah, who knows? So it, I think it'd be super cool if they did dynamic. It'd be a nice nod to the other Excite games. But yeah, you're probably right. It's probably per race, not per track. But um, to go hand-in-hand hand with that, they also have more vehicles. Obviously, they have the Link Motorcycle. I forgot what it's called. The Metal Horse. Metal Armored Horse. Armored. The Hylian... It has no... high. It's like know. Horse Armor... <laughs> or something but they also now have a doom a tanuki doom buggy suv looking thing for oh, yeah. tanuki mario uh and they have the b dasher as we previously discussed for fans of the ds version <laughs> so so yeah now we know link uh cat peach and tanuki mario in we know two of the eight tracks and we know all four vehicles or three of the four vehicles no all four because the blue falcon is number four yeah yeah so oh, was that one for the isabella one is I don't it? remember. I think it's with this one. They've it's already the released... one for the other one. But I don't yeah, I think Blue Falcons right now because they already have screenshots of Luigi driving around in it. Hmm. But maybe you're right. That car really sucked in um, Brawl. It had like the worst. In Brawl. In Brawl. In <laughs> <And>, um, <laughs> Wii Mario Kart Wii. The Blue Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. It was really really fast, but I remember it had like the worst steering ever. Like I didn't even. Well, think about it. In, in F Zero, in theory, in old F Zero, like Super Nintendo F Zero, there. The hairpin turns, you really had to anticipate and steer in advance for it's a, yeah. So it fits it, it pretty much. It pretty much drives like that. Like Not yeah. like GX where they, they could turn on dime, especially if you like do your spin attack while turning. And one right. other thing you could do like... Well, yeah, and they obviously fun. didn't have spin attack in the Wii, U, or in the Wii one. So. Yeah. The one game where Jason's actually really good at. F-Zero? GX. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, the, one last question, the one last question that remains about Mario Kart 8 DLC, besides apparently the six tracks I forgot existed... 
when is it coming out? Like, they said this month. It's now November. This goes up November 2nd. Oh, it's already November. Yeah, so, like, it, you, uh, maybe they'll just surprise us. Maybe they'll just release it and be like, oh, hey, by the way, check this out. Oh, and look, here's your Amiibo support. Here's how it works. But I feel like Nintendo, they're promoting enough they could stick a release date on it. I don't think anyone's going to object. Maybe they want to wait for... I wonder if they're going to do what, a... What did they wait for? I don't know. Like, I don't think they so would they want to... they have to get do... it out? I mean, it's digital, so does it really matter that it's out before... Black Friday? No, yes, because then they can promote it to help sell the game on Black That's Friday. That's true. And they don't want to do Presumably, a lot of people might not be spending as much money after Black Friday. No, yeah, mm, somewhat. Black Friday kind of kicks off the... Well, Black Friday this year is a weird phenomenon because Black... It's now... But we're recording this Saturday night, and it's Black Friday, according to Amazon. Uh-huh. They're doing Black Friday from now, November 1st, all the way through Christmas. Oh, Every day they're going to have multiple deals. Obviously, the real Black Friday will have more deals, but they're starting deals early. I was in Best Buy last weekend picking up Bayonetta. They already had their holiday displays. This was pre-Halloween. Wow. Target's doing a buy to get one free on all video games, like, next week. Like, everyone's doing deals early. So, Black Friday's still going to be a huge shopping day, but it seems like it's going to be a little more spread out this year. If I had to guess in terms of when Mario Kart DLC will come out, I would assume it'd be a week before Smash. So then they could have word of, Or, like, maybe even two weeks before. So they could have word of mouth about Mario Kart on social media and people talking about it. And then... After that, they smash a week later. And then they have a second wave of people talking about Wii U some more, and that's double word of mouth I feel marketing. like I may have to wait on the Mario Kart DLC for a little bit. I already pre-ordered it. Because, <laughs> you know, I like getting Nintendo it, money before they give me Well, I don't know, return. I guess it depends when it comes out. But, I mean, if it comes out on the Smash Brothers it or won't. after... It won't. Like, I don't see myself playing it I don't for think, a while. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think... If Nintendo released would, it... Especially because I'm not getting, like, a digital copy of Smash Brothers... Like, yeah, like, it's never going to leave my console. Yeah, I mean, we both get physical, so... Yeah. It's, uh... I'll put it this way. If Nintendo were to release Mario Kart 8 DLC on the same day that they're releasing two very high-profile games, Smash Bros. and Pokemon, they're idiots. Like, it doesn't... They would cannibalize their own sales. No one's going to be talking about it. It'll just kind of slip out there. No... Because they have a week I know, where they can literally... people are buying Watch Dogs that week? Oh, yeah, all those Wii U owners buying yeah. Watch Dogs. All five of them. But there's, um... No, because, like, they have a perfect window between now and Smash to promote Mario Kart in and have... They realize social media is powerful for marketing themselves. Yeah. Like, Tomodachi Life, they've attributed its Western success to social media in part. That's why the image tool is now a thing on the 3DS, like, baked into the home screen. Yeah. So, if they didn't leverage that, that would be a big oversight. Because everyone's going to be talking about Smash. Everyone's going to be talking about Pokemon. No one's going to be like, oh, hey, yeah, the, the Excitebike Arena is pretty fun, yep. That's just <laughs> not going to... No one's going to be doing that, so... So yeah, uh, hopefully it's soon. Um, just because the sooner the better for something like this. But but switching gears... too much content. It, it's weird how stacked this holiday is for Nintendo, even it, though they only have a couple games. Like, yeah. It's not the heaviest release. Well, between those two games, I feel like... I mean, like, I can't believe like Mario Kart... Like, there's still like even more to look forward to it. I know. They're like, really make, making sure it's yeah, an evergreen title. Yeah, like I, like I already thought, like, okay, I'm already done with it. Well, I'm wondering if they're going to do... Um, um, ghost data for the developers for the new tracks. I would assume so. I don't know, because sometimes... I mean, just... I mean, obviously this could mean nothing because this is Nintendo and they kind right. of do things their own way. Yeah. But, like, traditionally, like, when you get new tracks or new characters in games, they usually don't come with all the other stuff that all the other characters had with the game came. Like, I don't know, for example, like, Street Fighter, like, every single character had their own tutorial... I showed you how to use them, but when you got, like, all these other DLC characters, they just, they were just there. Yeah. And yet, yeah, you didn't have anything. I'm hoping that's not the case, though. It is. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Nintendo's been good about actually supporting 
the DLC, you know, like yeah, actually and, and same thing, backing it. So yeah, same thing goes for like when you're playing online. Like kind of we've kind of touched upon this where. Like, when you're picking random stages mm-hmm. or people that don't have it, that they're going to be a patch so that they can still play it even though, like, they That's don't own the it. bigger question to me. Nintendo's never really... I mean, how did it work for Mario Golf? I don't I... remember. I feel like you couldn't play the stage unless everyone had it. Well, I mean, like, for... I mean, this is how other companies do it. Like, for a fighting game, like, if someone has a character that you don't own, um, they had everyone, man, like, have a... Everyone had to, like, update their game. Right. With the data of all the characters, even if they didn't own them. Oh, so well, that's what Nintendo's That like. way, if you play someone online, like, you'll still have the data for that character. So, in a way, it's kind of like getting on this DLC. Yeah. Which, in a way, like, I feel like kind of justifies it sometimes. Because, like, if you're going to play someone that doesn't have it, you still... You can't play them unless you have the data. Right. It just doesn't make sense. Right. I guess the logic is, opposed to doing actual on-disc or something like that, is, well, if you're playing online, of course you're going to want the list. You're going to be able to get hold of the patch. Yeah. So... But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how going to do it. It'd be weird if they just shut out some of the players because, oh, well, you don't have it. Sorry. So you're going to be in your own lobby with people that didn't give us money. Yeah, like, there'll literally be a lobby that's, like, for those that don't they don't believe in giving us more money and those that do. So, yeah. Uh, but speaking of money, check out this transition. Uh-oh. Speaking of money, um, that's enough about video games. You know, we're, you can't expect a podcast about video games to talk about video games, actual video games, right? So, Nintendo had their financials, and so mini Jason Sales Corner, and then we'll talk in, about some more interesting stuff in terms of, like, what Nintendo's doing going forward. Um, but those numbers were for the second quarter of this past fiscal year, which starts for Nintendo in April and goes through March 31st. So, the second quarter is specifically July through September, so July, August, September, those three months. And uh, Nintendo announced their numbers, had an investor meeting, talked about quality of life product, which we'll get to, but those numbers are actually good. Like, surprisingly good. For the first time in, I think, three or four years, Nintendo reported a quarter where they actually turned a profit. They made money. They are in the black for the first time in, like, three, four years. Clearly, this happened because Mighty Size bought a Wii U. That's all. You heard about that, right? No. No? Okay. The, I don't know why the internet cared, but basically... My, how would I? Miley Cyrus posted a photo of her with a Wii Pro controller. You follow Miley Cyrus? No, but it made news in gaming oh. circles. Uh... Posted control a picture of her with a pro controller. It's like her like under like a, a blanket, just like I woke up like this, and it just has a, a Wii U controller. And everyone's like, all these people are crying, like, you play Xbox, Miley? And other people are like, no, 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 it's a Wii U. So clearly, that viral marketing right there saved Nintendo and gave them a profit. Clearly, it you don't need to you don't need to buy this. You don't need to think this is the reason. <laughs> it says Wii U on the controller. Yeah, but no one, no one's smart. Um, but it's uh, yeah, no one. Well. What was I saying? Yeah, no one's smart <laughs> enough to read the controller, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I guess so. I guess that's a thing that happened. It is a thing that happened. <laughs> it, it was on Go Nintendo. It was on, like, Twitter. It, it kind of. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, no, the <laughs> real reason... I the don't real, know. I for how I didn't see it. I just, the real <laughs> profit isn't from my Cyrus, and it came to $132 million, which is pretty good, considering last quarter they lost $91 million, so they spun it back around pretty well. Um, and it was... Pretty heavily driven by the Wii U, actually. So maybe Miley did play a role. But uh, basically, this past quarter alone, the system was able to sell 610,000 units, which isn't that much when you look at PS4 selling 3.3 million units in the exact same three-month window. But compared to what Nintendo was selling a year ago, it's actually quite good. Like, uh, here's the way I don't think of it. So last year, last year, what? 
No, I just said that we're at that point. Yeah, it is. But it, it's yeah, it's fine because we're like, oh, Nintendo's doing so well. They Wii U sales are practically double. They're mm-hmm. look but, at that. They're still under a third of what yeah, PS4 is selling. Double of. Well, apparently yeah. PS4 is almost double doubling the sales of Xbox One at this point. So well, PS4 is doing crazy. PS4 is insane, and yet Sony's still losing money. And yet here's Nintendo, but that's because of their mobile division and other stuff. And yet here's Nintendo, who's like, yeah, we have six hundred ten thousand units in three months, and they actually turn a profit. So just put it in perspective. But yeah, here's an interesting comparison. Um, if you look at all of, if you look at June, sorry, April through September of 2013, Nintendo sold a whopping total of 460,000 units in that period, right, of Wii U. If you look at the last three months of this year, of this fiscal year, they sold 610,000 units. So in half the time, they sold more, and they're now at the point where since the start of fiscal year in April, they're at 1.1 million. So that's definitely way better than the 460,000 that they did in that same time frame a year ago. So Wii U's doubling. That's that's good. That's very good. Um, And that's largely driven, in fact, by sales of games as you can imagine 9.4 million wii u games have been sold um a large part of that is of course the game we were just talking about mario kart 8 drove a lot of that i mean it already drove a lot drove a lot of that it already has um sold millions of copies as of the last time to put out numbers but on top of that hyrule warriors is actually doing half decent as well tecmo koei expected 500,000 in sales and they're saying that as of right now they've met expectations in japan and they're exceeding expectations in america so it's probably on track to do more than 500,000, which, you know, for a third party to have a That's really cool, hit on the Wii U, granted it's courtesy of Nintendo as a crutch, but Hopefully still. Hopefully it encourages more of this. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even heard anything from Fire Emblem Cross Shin Megami Tensei. According to Nintendo's release schedule that they put out with the financials, it's still due next year. Hmm. I don't know. Was, I'm going to go ahead and assume it's not due next year. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and assume it's 2016 at the earliest, but you never know. At least I think, maybe it said TBD. Either way, it's still on their release schedule and it's still a thing that's being made so there's that that's good uh so yeah we doing pretty well mario kart's doing super well high rewards is about expectations not all great news for nintendo though even though they turned a profit it was in no thanks to the 3ds which is down by a good chunk in this past quarter they sold too much but they came out with a smash brothers excel and you bought it so you gave them one sale well, keep in mind, here in the States, it came out after the end of the quarter. Oh, yeah. So that, that would not help for this situation, where uh, they sold 2 million worldwide from July through September. Last year, they sold 3.9 million in that same three-month period. In other words, they sold roughly half. So Wii is doubling, and, uh, and 3DS is going in exactly the opposite direction by the same amount. Um, now, part of that, I mean, anyone who's been listening to the show for a while can probably recall that we've talked about that there wasn't really a system seller for the 3DS up till now this year. There was no Animal Crossing New Leaf equivalent. Tomodachi Life did better than Nintendo expected, but it didn't hit the numbers of Animal Crossing because it's not as familiar of a franchise. So that drove a lot of it, but, uh... You, I mean, you could kind of see it in the software sales. Like, this year, so far, Nintendo sold 233 million copies of 3DS games, which actually is pretty respectable. But last year, they managed to do 279 by this point. So they're down by a hefty, like, 40-plus million. Or 40-ish million. So that's not to say... Nothing's selling. Because like I said, Tondachi liked it pretty well. It actually exceeded Nintendo's expectations. Sold over a million copies in the West alone. Sure, it exceeded everybody's expectations. Well, in Japan, it was a sequel and it was a hit. The first one was a well, hit, so they knew. That yeah, this I mean, in be. America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they sold 1.28 million copies in Europe and America combined. Which is way more than they expected. Uh, Pokemon X and Y managed to somehow sell another 1 million copies. Nearly Still? 1 million copies. Well, I mean, I you know why? Pokemon. You know why? I know Pokemon? why. 
is Pokemon, and they put out that firmware update with the new Pokeball animations the other day. Did you read about that? They Pokemon X and Y version I did see one point three. Update, but I was like Pokeball animations. I'm playing Smash Brothers, I can't. <laughs> You're like I can't process. I don't, this. I don't want to take the game off. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, one point three or not one point three million. One point three included fancy Pokeball animations for every single type of Pokeball. I want to see this now. It's, uh, I guess I'll have to yeah. YouTube it so I don't have to take the game out. <laughs> that's so so lazy. But well, so that, I mean, that sold pretty well. It's going to take way longer like to find Pokeballs of every type because I doubt I've used all of them. True. And actually throw them out. And, what? Throw them out? Oh, the Pokeball. Yeah, like, just go, yeah, just go on. Yeah, no, I'm curious. Right. Like, how much fancy can you make the Pokemon appear from the I don't ground? know if it's faster. It's just different. Not fancier. Oh, I thought it's fancier. I mean, outside of, like, when Diamond, when you could put, um... I don't even know what you call like, the ball capsule, then you could, like, have your name spelled out when the Pokemon comes out, or put, like, fire effects, or... You can, like, customize the, oh, like, the light that. effects. Yeah. You go all out. You yeah. have to catch all the unknowns to get the letter of the alphabet that corresponds to that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fun. Well, it's certainly not going to be that. That would, tell you that, that right would, now. That was a selling feature right there. <laughs> if it was that, you would have heard, I'm sure. But, uh, so yeah, so Pokemon's doing pretty well. Tomodachi Life is doing pretty well. Even Smash Bros., only based on Japanese sales, is doing pretty well. To, uh, Nintendo said that so far, the, the game, in total, has sold 3.22 million copies. 3.22 million? It's been out for, like, a month. In Japan, it's been out for, like, five weeks. This is as of um, end of September, I believe. So it's 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 chugging along. Uh, so then the question, of course, becomes, if Smash Bros. is boosting sales, why, like, why is, why is 3DS still down, and how can Nintendo turn that around? I mean, you could argue 3DS is still down, because it only boosted sales for two weeks of the quarter. So, which means the we which means the 3DS sales were even more abysmal than half of what they were prior to Smash Bros. And that's even Mario Kart 7 commercial that I just saw the other day. They're advertising Mario Kart 7 again? Yeah. Well, see, that's this quarter, though. That's them already trying to step it up and right. fix it. So, um... Yeah, it is kind of like, what's, what is Nintendo going to do to fix it, is really the question at this point. And um, I want to dedicate a lot of that financial briefing to explain exactly how Nintendo plans to fix it. So, um, he actually attributes a lot of the issue to a lack of million-seller titles in Japan. Which, yeah, it kind of makes sense what we're saying about Animal Crossing not selling as well here. Or, no equivalent to Animal Crossing. There are no games that would hit the same sales threshold worldwide. But he's specifically saying Japan is to blame, because they, in the past, had all these games selling a million, and this year... Up until recently, they had nothing. Um, but he he thinks Smash Bros. is actually going to be like a gateway drug for people. He calls it... I'm not going to He thinks that uh, they can turn things around because Smash Bros. is going to have what he's calling the same generation hypothesis. Which, this is so... Oh, either this you is, told me about it or I read about it. Right. It's um, essentially... What he's saying is that Smash and Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire are linked. And sales of one are going to generate sales of the other. And both are going to do super well and generate more interest in the 3DS. His argument is that um, Smash became incredibly popular back with Melee. N64 was popular. It didn't blow up in popularity until Melee in December, November 2001. Pokemon mm-hmm. Ruby and Sapphire, coincidentally, came out March 2002, so shortly thereafter. Anyone that was in elementary school at that time is now 18 to 25, which is the main demographic that's buying Smash Bros. So, in fact, like... It, we're barely just in there. I know, we're at the very... They're going to stop caring about yeah, they already do. Let's be real. No, but, um, so he's saying that they're already seeing all these 18 to 25 year olds buying I mean, Smash. The average gamer is still like 35, so we're yeah. pretty good. Yeah, but that includes people that play like Bejeweled on their phone and Candy Crush. Ooh. Yeah, you, do you want to be associated with those people? <laughs> but, um, no, what I was going to say is he, he, uh, he was saying that like the, the percentage of people buying Smash Bros that are in our age demographic opposed to younger is actually way higher than the average 3DS game. In Japan, 
30% higher. In the U.S., almost half of all people buying Smash are 18 to 25. So, because of that, he's like, well, look, here's all these people that bought Smash, have a 3DS, have an interest in the platform, and then, oh, just by chance, a month later, here's a nostalgic trip down uh, memory lane. Remember Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire? Remember how much you loved them? Check it out. Brand new versions, new features, new stuff, just for you. Eh? You want to buy it? Uh, that's essential. That, um, that bundle is kind of tempting, but... Oh, the, really? The buy both versions, get 100 potions? And nothing else? Yeah. Just you, know in Japan, you know in Japan and Europe, they're getting, like, fancy case. Like, in Europe, they get a steelbook case and, like, all this extra stuff. Here, we get 100 potions. Better than no potions. I don't know. I guess you do get a $10 discount on the game if you buy both. Why? That's really good. But why are you buying both? I don't know if you're going to buy both anyway. Why are you buying both? Well, I mean... <laughs> the whole uh, point is you're supposed to trade with friends. I don't know. I mean, in my case, it makes sense, because... You, you you don't buy both normally. No, but Oh, for you and Elvis. Oh, they can split the... Oh, but you can't even split the potions. It's one code for 100 potions. Oh, that is a bummer. Yeah, you might as well not buy it now. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, that's too bad. Oh, well, <laughs> no, 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 that's <laughs> That was a good idea for all of 10 seconds. No, but... Uh, yeah, so Nintendo's actually hoping that Maybe less the bundle and more Smash Bros, but they're hoping And that's a that... Best Buy exclusive anyway, isn't it? What? And isn't that a Best, Best Buy? Best Buy and Amazon. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, whether you like to go to a store or just get it sent to you by drone, you have your options. Uh, what was I going to say, though? Um, what was I talking... Oh, right, the, the whole I same generation. I thought they drone to this area. Well, the drone's not even actually a thing yet. Yeah, it would get stolen. <laughs> it doesn't come out of the sky. It drops it from a couple feet up and then flies away. Someone will swat it down or shoot it with a BB gun. Yeah, they'll shoot it down or something. Oh, well, that might be why they're not a real thing besides the FCC, or not FCC, F, uh, the flight people not allowing it. I forgot what their commission's called. It's not FCC, that's communications. Uh, I can't believe you don't know. F, not FDA, that's drugs. Uh, aviation people. The AP, aviation people. It's okay, Jason. Oh, do you know? Not top of my head. Okay. But, but I didn't pretend to remember. Well, I, I didn't pretend. I tried to. There's a difference. <laughs> I didn't say I know and then not didn't know. Um, yeah, so hopefully the same generation hypothesis actually works in Nintendo. Going back to that. Because, like, that would be an easy way to secure extra sales. Because someone who may not even have a 3DS might go, Oh, Smash Bros. Oh, I remember that Pokemon. Oh, sure, I'll buy, you know, I'll buy the system. It's kind of working already. They're seeing um, interest in auras is actually higher than you would think for a remake. Um, in Japan, it's well, I mean, pre-ordered. more than just a remake. It's uh, it's as much of a remake as it, like it actually feels Heart like, Gold and Soul Silver was. If you it, stop it, and think it about feels, it, it feels more like um, an expansion pack to X and Y. But even then, it's doing, because yeah, there aren't any new Pokemon. It's all the same Pokemon, just that some are getting made. It feels more like a World of Warcraft expansion. And yet, a remake. and yet the interest in it yeah. is proving his hypothesis. Because here's the thing, that hypothesis is either Nintendo being super clever and intentionally doing this, or going after the fact, oh gee, we should look super clever and claim we intentionally did this. But either way, it's a smart pairing. So, and it's working. Because in Japan, Japan pre-orders for Auras isn't as good as X and Y was, which makes sense, it's a remake. But in America, it's on par, and in Europe... Auras is actually outperforming X and Y in pre-orders by a good margin. Like, if you look at the graph, there's, like, one blue line for X and Y, and then a very much sharper line going up for uh, Auras. Makes sense. I can see a lot of people, like, that skip X and Y that are, like, I don't know, I guess maybe the first, like, three or four gens purists. Right, or... Like, or oh, even... I remember this, I was like, oh, a new Pokemon. Uh, 
Yeah, that's, that almost plays into exactly that same generation hypothesis in that yeah. they remember Pokemon from their kid and they're like, oh, Smash Bros. So they're no, they know about the 3DS now because of Smash Bros. and they're more aware of it. And then they see Pokemon and go, oh, wait a minute. I remember <laughs> that. I'm a purist. <laughs> I remember the first few gens. So it, it's working for them. I mean, they're also seeing an increase in buzz about uh, the 3DS, an increase in general activity and general awareness. So it seems to be working. In Japan, they think they're, they're going to do even better, though, because uh, Monster Hunter 4 came out and is selling super well. Yokoi Watch 2 came out and has already passed 2 million units. And I was actually saying that he thinks the 3DS this holiday could be the first system in Japanese history to have 4 double million sellers within half a year. Whoa. Which, that you're kind of like, okay, 2 million, whatever. Games do that all the time. Some games. But in Japan, apparently it's very uncommon. For example, the Wii in its entire lifespan only had 8, mil- eight, eight double million sellers. The PS3 only had 3. So, uh, granted, Nintendo's obviously massaging this point a little and be like, oh, look, they didn't have many. We're going to have four in five months. But the fact of the matter is, if they have all those games that people actually want to play, they will buy the system. So, that, in part, might help them turn it around. And then, of course, there is the new 3DS, which we don't have, which is already the best-selling, the fastest-selling, remade, like, updated version of existing Nintendo handheld, if that makes sense. Like, it's selling better than the DSi did, the DSi XL, um, the DS Lite, Game Boy Advance SP, it's the fastest selling, that's what I'm looking for here, uh, spruced up one, slightly redesigned one, so it's already, um, that's in one, in one week it sold 234,000 units, which is already better than any other system launched at, hmm. in that category of like a redesign. So, so Nintendo seems to have found some gold. Uh, one place of course that the 3DS won't be selling that well anytime soon is here in the States, and in Europe, because only Australia and New Zealand and Japan get it this year. And uh, the reasoning, apparently, isn't what well, I was speculating, that Nintendo hit a snag. Well, let me rephrase. The reason they're giving isn't that they hit a snag in production and couldn't get it out everywhere. It's that they look at trends and found that America and Europe simply haven't had their original 3DSs milked enough yet. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. Like, in Japan, they looked at historical trends of their handhelds. And in Japan, they've seen the 3DS follow the same trend as the Game Boy before DSP, the DS for DS Lite, and the DS Lite for DSi, and all that thing. All those things. And they're able to go, okay... Based on like how the life of, the, of a handheld works, we're on the downward trend with the 3DS and the 3DS XL. It's time to release a redesign. In America and Europe, where the system hasn't been selling as well, they haven't reached that point yet. They're literally going, we can get one more holiday out of this. We can milk one more holiday, and then we'll have enough people that if we release the new handheld, we'll be able to get way more double dippers. Opposed to if we wait now, and then we'll get one sale of these people, they'll buy it now, and then in a year or two, they might buy the redesigned one, and then we get two sales instead of one. So they're literally waiting to release it because they want to milk the current one. Which is honest, very honest of Iwata to essentially say that. But, I mean, he said in slightly fluffier, nicer spin, spun words, but that, that was the takeaway, is that they're milking it. And we're, we're kind of seeing it. I mean, you mentioned the Mario Kart 7 commercial coming back. They're doing stuff like Walmart's going to sell the 2DS for 79 bucks in, uh, in this week or next week. So Nintendo is pushing, the, is going to be pushing the 3DS kind of hard to get at least the current one off store shelves and get into people's hands. So then next year when they release the new one, they'll have more double dippers and they'll be able to revive interest off that one and that sort of thing. So I still think there might have been some other production reason for why we're not getting the XL, but that, I mean, not the XL, the new 3DS, but Iwata's point is certainly, <laughs> certainly a valid one, I would say. Um, beyond just the systems, though, Nintendo, or yeah, Nintendo and Iwata also talked a bit about um, their digital business, the eShop, which has been flat for the most part between this year and last. And uh, they didn't outright say this, 
But the whole reason they're like they're stepping up what they're doing with the eShop because they're not going to say this, of course, but if it's flat year over year, that means less money in their pocket because if you buy digital versus physical, no shipping, no packaging, no retailer cut, and town gets all 60 bucks opposed to like, you know, 52.98 or whatever they would get normally. Uh, so, hey, those eight bucks make a difference in the long run. When you're selling 273 million 3DS games, that adds up. Yeah, it's already a few million. Yeah. Um, so what they're doing is they're finally rolling out the web-based eShop. Sort of. You're not going to need a system to buy a game anymore. What they're going to do, and it's already live on Intel.com, um, is if you go to a game page, you'll be able to pre-order or purchase the game right from that page. You log in with your Nintendo Network ID, and it just downloads. You don't need to get a download code. You can pre-order, and it'll download on launch day, or even pre-launch day, and that's it. So the the, uh, the interesting thing about this is they're now expanding that to other retailers. Amazon will soon let you log in with your Nintendo Network ID and just download a game. So you could be at work, you could be at school, you could be like, oh yeah, I wanted to get Smash Bros. And then literally just go to Amazon or Nintendo and download it. And then you come home and it's there. So it's not revolutionary. I mean, other companies have done this forever, but it's nice that Nintendo, after promising this in 2012, is finally getting on the bandwagon. And it's also kind of smart because they were saying, oh yeah, we're going to have a web-based eShop, and instead they are doing a much more logical thing of just using the database they already have and people already understand, which is Nintendo.com. Like, why duplicate every game page onto a separate store where you just go to Nintendo, they're reading about Nintendo, you find a game, and they just hit buy right there. So, yeah. so that's how they're implementing it, so that's kind of cool. I guess you um, also be thinking for some games. Yeah, for, like, eShop-only titles. Like, just yeah. browsing, like, or reading a review on, say, IGN, like, and then hitting download now, and it just downloads. Like, I could tell you right now that I would have definitely already bought in Shantae's and the Pirate's Curse if it mm-hmm. was available through that, mm-hmm. or... Actually, I think it might be now. Actually, check, just, check. Just, Not right now, but just check it now. Actually, just about any... Every game that I mentioned on the podcast that I said I was going to buy, I would have probably bought it already if if, it, if, if, if I didn't have to like go to the Wii U. Yeah, I mean, or, it's super convenient. Or the eShop, because it, it does kind of take forever. It does. And the thing is, like, every them. other company does this with their digital storefronts, or is starting to. I mean, PlayStation, you can do it. I mean, the App Store and Google Play have had this sort of set forever. You pick an app or whatever on your computer, and it's just on your phone or tablet when you next look at it. So it's nice that Nintendo's finally catching up. It's a little weird that it took them two years to do it. After promising it, but but there it is. And as I did mention, they are doing pre-downloads, starting with Smash Bros. in a couple weeks. Which, again, this is something other companies have done, but it's nice that Nintendo's finally hopping on the bandwagon and understanding the idea of launch day doesn't mean that's when you have to start downloading it, it just means that's when you have to be able to access it. Oh. So Smash, you'll be able to pre-download, or pre-purchase, pre-order and download, and then at midnight you download a small update and it just unlocks the game. So, so that's kind of nice. The one final thing they talked about in the investor meeting is, of course, that weird, crazy, mysterious quality of life platform of theirs. And uh, it's still kind of crazy, but it's also still kind of, it's now kind of perfectly logical, too. Like, they explained it in a way where, like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing now. Because before, they're just like, oh, it's this new platform, you don't wear it, and that's all we're telling you. It's like, so is it hardware? Like, what? And what it turns out is um, it is non-wearable, like they said. It's going to focus on health, like they said, but it's not going to be a thing, anything like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or a Microsoft Band or any of that stuff. It's going to be a thing that just sits in your house, at least the first iteration, and then connects to a cloud. And the cloud itself seems to be the quality of life platform, not the device. The device is a hook-in to it. So um, quality of life as a whole, there's, this is how I want describe it. It's the most English-y thing I think I've ever seen from a Nintendo uh, investor meeting. There are five non-features 
or non-sensors, as he called, called them, which sounds a little too much like nonsense, which is not a good thing to call it. <laughs> but there are five of them. And I'm just going to read them off. They're, sen- they're sensors, but they're not. They're non-sensors. Uh, so there's non... Can they sense whatever you're not? No, basically, like, here's the thing that's so confusing, is you don't call your thing nonsense when you're trying to pitch a new product. I don't care if it's nonsense. You don't go, yeah, this is nonsense. It's like, that doesn't help. But here are the five non-things that it's not. It's not wearable, non-contact, non-operating, non-waiting, and non... And this one isn't even a non-thing you say. Non-installation efforts. First of all, that'd be no installation efforts, but that's okay, Nintendo. So um, what basically means is you're looking at some sort of device, in this case a health device, that you don't wear, you don't touch, you don't set up, you don't have to sit down and fiddle with, you don't have to check, it just kind of does its thing and provides you with what it needs to provide you. So um, this is actually why the Vitality Sensor never took off. I want to make this weird aside where it's like, yeah, dude, the Vitality Sensor was the problem, or this was the problem with it, and that's why it never came out. They had, You had to, like, interact with it to upload things and download things and do things and that's why they never released it it was too cumbersome so now they think they're hitting it on the head with the idea that it just will do it on its own it'll just talk to the cloud send you stuff that you can like visualize data all sorts of stuff so um the it in this case that it is is a product for tracking sleep and fatigue doesn't that sound exciting sleep and fatigue well it's kind of cool it actually does because like i do care about how much sleep i get and i don't want to oversleep yeah. Well, no, no, not not in that. Well, in, yeah, kind of in that. Well, regard. I mean, if yeah. it's if it's supposed to help you with fatigue and sleep, yeah. I would assume it lets you know you're sleeping too much. Or oh, right, right, right. And it wakes you gently in the right part of your REM cycle, which other other devices do. I mean, the Fitbit you wear it and it monitors your sleep, and your phone can plug can hook into that and that sort of thing. But this is where the non wearable, non contact idea makes the most sense because I don't know. I don't like having things on my wrist when I'm asleep. It feels weird, especially because I put my hand like under the pillow. So this makes sense in that regard. And what they're planning to do. Is it's gonna be this device that sits on your nightstand, and it uses radio frequencies like, a shape like Mario's head. No, it's just like a little rectangle, and it uses radio frequencies shape like a Mario brick. It's shaped no, no, no. It has nothing to do with Mario. I'm sorry. It's actually shaped like a Zelda treasure chest. Treasure chest. It's not. It's a little rectangle, square rectangle, or square rectangle, gray rectangle. Um, but it's. It's going to measure your movements, your breathing, your heartbeat, all using radio mm. sensors. A rectangle could be a square, but a square can't be a rectangle. That's deep. That's really deep. So anyway, this thing like, can track your... It monitors all this stuff, and then it's going to send it up to Nintendo's cloud, the QOL itself, QOL platform itself, which is, again, quality of life. And then uh, that's the cloud will crunch the data and provide you with some sort of visualization of what it learned and what it recommends. So the tricky thing about tracking for t- fatigue is there isn't really a way of doing it. There's no standard, like, measurement. Pioneers. Essentially. Because there's, you know, they, they there's no, like, sleep apnea death, like... and that sort of thing doesn't have a... It doesn't have, like, a system to measure it. It's just a thing. So they're... Yeah, so no one's measuring it, and that is kind of what Nintendo does. So they're actually working with a whole bunch of different top researchers to devise some sort of measurement of sleep. I mean, you could argue hours that you're asleep would count as measurement of sleep, but I guess they're looking for some sort of, like, alertness or fatigue fatigue scale of some sort so um what's gonna do is it'll tell you how much fatigue you have it'll let you it'll then give you advice on how to improve it and how to get better sleep and how to be more rested and then you do little things every day to work towards that goal and every day i'll update you and be like congratulations your fatigue is now this opposed to that in other words it's your brain age it's your bmi and we fit it's all that but for sleep instead it's literally brain age but you're sleeping instead of using your brain so there's that um, the hardware itself, though, 
is actually not being made by Nintendo exclusively. It's being made in cooperation with a company here in the U.S. called ResMed, and all they do is study sleep and sleep apnea using a device basically like what Nintendo described. It's already in store. It's called the S Plus, and it's a gray rectangle. Or well, not necessarily in store. So it's already available. It's called. A, it's a gray rectangle. It's just what Nintendo described. It just doesn't have the overlay of Nintendo's uh, quality of life cloud and interface and whatnot. So Nintendo's basically, it looks like just buying off-the-shelf sensors and integrating them with their own stuff. Hmm. So it's, uh, I mean, it, it could be cool. I mean, at the end of the, uh, there's actually a video, now that I think about it. We'll put a link to it on the blog post um, for this episode over at Ramtown.com. But there's a video, it's like two and a half minutes long, of how the S Plus works and what it looks like. And presumably that's what Nintendo's will look like, just with a different interface, because this doesn't actually show you anything. From what I can gather, it might have an app interface, but from what I can gather, it's not really giving you daily feedback. It's not like brain age for sleeping. It just kind of is. But it's most likely the first of many products that are going to be part of this bigger platform, because at the end of the day, the cloud service that Nintendo's making for quality of life is the platform for quality of life. We all thought... That was going to be, um, you know, we all thought, oh, Nintendo's making a new platform. It's going to be some sort of hardware or something. But hardware seems to only be a component of it. Instead, it's all going to hook into clouds. Like, Nintendo had a little chart where it's like, the cloud's the center. Then you have different types of sensors, like the sleep sensor. You have game consoles. You have smart devices. You have all these different things that all hook into this one central quality of life ominous cloud somewhere <laughs> that is crunching your data, providing vis- visualizations. Presumably there'll be a central profile. Presumably Nintendo's going to put their own life improvement games in on this too. So you'll be playing a new Brain Age. You'll be playing a new Wii Fit. You'll be playing a new English training. Or... Say with your friend, who can fall asleep the fastest? Right. Yeah. But you'll be, yeah, you'll be playing all that and all these you'll scores. You'll be trying to sleep like five minutes before your buddies. The, well, uh, PlayStation has that. Wake Up Club. PlayStation oh. Vita has something similar, but in the other direction. Uh, waking up, post to going to sleep. But... But yeah, so I would imagine all this is going to be a central profile based it's on what you're saying. a lot of saying, way to cheat that game. Well, yeah, but it's it'd be harder with this. Uh, yeah. With this device of their sleep device. It sounds awesome, though. It, I mean, it is in some ways. It's cool that like this isn't revolutionary. First of all, Nintendo isn't forging into new ter- into like uncharted territory. Health is the trendy thing that everyone's doing. You know, Apple has a centralized health platform. Android has a centralized health platform. Microsoft literally two hours after Nintendo announced this announced a full platform like finished platform not this weird like hypothetical stuff so it's it's a major field that they're and then of course there's you know nike jawbone fitbit there's all these competitors so nintendo's got their work cut out but it could be cool depending on how they leverage it and it does have the game component because like like i was saying brain age we fit those can hook into this in theory they did say game consoles will be part of it and also this might be how they use smart devices you may recall that i for a long time was saying um that they don't want to just put their games on smart devices. They're going to use smart devices in like a smart, interesting way, somewhat for marketing, but also like experiences that will lead you to a bigger experience. Pokemon basically, Island? you mean Camp Pokemon, or whatever it's called. Essentially, yeah, because Camp Pokemon. Actually, yeah, it's a good a good analogy here because Camp Pokemon is a series of really generic, boring mini games <laughs> about Pokemon that make little kids go, "I want to go play Pokemon." And what, like, do, is what Pokemon is all about? Well, no, because uh, they say very clearly it's not the game. I hope kids don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. Kids Wait, are, so Pokemon's kids, just guessing a silhouette? Why would I... I don't know. Kids get bored really easily. That's true. But, I mean, can Pokemon was, like, doing pretty well on the App Store uh, chart for it a also... There. I mean, obviously, this is just, like, a really small group of, like... Almost just about everyone, every kid that I know that plays video games at the yeah. elementary school, every single one follows a YouTuber... 
like that pulls videos so many times. Like, everyone that watches Minecraft is always talking about some guy called um Mr. Sparkles. You know what's crazy? YouTube celebrities are like yeah, they're huge. Yeah, it's like a, you have no idea. They're like huge. They, yeah, they watch them like like a lot of kids. Are like I don't even watch TV. I just go on YouTube and I watch my subscribers or my my subscriptions. Yeah, it's it. crazy. Like there was a guy who I was watching this thing about Snapchat, and there's this guy who. He has like however many followers on Vine and YouTube, and he has people following Snapchat. And he put out a snap saying, "Meet me in an hour in Bryant Park in New York City." Thousands of people showed up at Bryant Park and met him. Like just that, like the park was overflowing with people. It's a big park. Like it was insane. Like these people have huge followings, and yet no one of our age group or older seems to know who they are. It's a very weird divide that didn't like ever exist before. I don't think. Oh, so there actually is something that we could be like oh, those young. Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, Vine celebrities, YouTube celebrities, yeah. There's Vine celebrities. There, are, there's a Vine, there's a Vine comedy comedian guy who is now like doing actual acting in TV shows off his vines. There's another one. There's a couple people who have gotten record deals of singing on Vine, and are charting extremely high on iTunes. Well, like these are like an actual thing. It's so weird. the future is now. Yeah, or or constant or like the changing. Future. Yeah, but in terms of camp Pokemon, I think that is a good example of how I think Nintendo could do the smart devices. I Iwata only said they're gonna do smart devices. He didn't say what they're gonna do with it, but he you know in terms of quality of life, he just said it would support. But imagine hypothetically, you have your smart device, you check into your quality of life, whatever they call it. It shows you what you should do for the day. It lets you do you know. Maybe a couple brain age exercises or something, or it uses the sensors of the phone to like track your walking and plugs that back into the quality of life cloud with your central profile. It kind of could be the hook because people be like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of I like Nintendo. I'm curious," and or "Oh, I used to play Mario as a kid. Let's see what Nintendo's doing with health." And they try it out, and maybe they like it, and then that kind of leads them into getting more invested in the platform as a whole with the sensors or getting a game console that has the games that hook into this, like. This could be the foot in the door sort of thing that I was saying mobile should do for them without requiring them to actually put their IPs on mobile. Hmm. So it, it's like all coming together slowly. It kind of it seems like they might have a grand plan, or they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Hard to say. <laughs> but um, whatever it is, it's kind of interesting. And while it's not revolutionary, the potential is there for it to be pretty cool. So I'm definitely curious to learn more about it. And it's now delayed till 2016, by the way. Originally, they're going to launch Quality of Life end of next year. Now it's 2016. So, it's going to be a while. But it sounds kind of interesting, and it sounds like it's going to complement their game consoles, not completely erase them or anything. He kept comparing it to when they entered video games. He kept saying, like, we used to make toys and have fun to cards. Then we started making video games. Now we're making video games, and now we're going to start doing this too, because we can diversify. Because they do still make cards in Japan. They don't really make toys, but they make cards. So he's just saying this is another component of things they'll make, and it'll be its own beast that will hook in and play nice with other stuff, but won't replace it. So time will tell what exactly it's going to do. There's probably more information about out of that investor meeting, but we're waiting on the investor Q&A to be released. By the time this podcast goes up, maybe it is. But next episode, we'll, I guess we can dive into that Q&A and talk about any interesting points I want to make in terms of what sort of stuff they're doing. I heard rumblings about something involving an app for your me, like a me-based app huh. that would be available for smartphones. I don't know what it would do or anything, but you know, we could talk. I imagine ultimately that would hook into quality of life pretty well because that would be your profile app. So, That'd be so we'll pretty see. cool if the Mi extends to just represent everything that Nintendo does as a company it's as opposed the to just their video game part. But No, it already will. It's in the slides. Oh, the cool. quality of life stuff, when they show like the cycle of how the data will cycle through, or like how the example of like it tracks your stuff, it uploads it to the cloud, it sends you a recommendation, like that kind of loop, there are Mi's all over those slides, like little pictures. So, yeah, Mi's are officially you in the Nintendo world. Um, and I guess in one other industry that Nintendo's kind of stepping foot into a little... 
movies. That didn't make sense. One other industry. They've already been doing it. Remember the Kid Icarus movies? Well, these are like movies in a film festival. Oh, in a film festival. Yeah, so remember like a year ago before Pikmin 3 came out, and Miyamoto was talking about he's going to make these Pikmin CG short films, and they were going to be this thing, and they're going to use them to promote Pikmin 3, and it was going to be great, and they're going to be like full movies. Well, they're real. They debuted at the Tokyo Film Festival. They seem to actually have pretty good reaction. They're about 23 minutes long in total. And they're coming to How many? uh, In total. Each. All three combined. And they're coming to Wii U and 3DS. They're called Pikmin Short Movies, appropriately enough. And they are going to... There's these little stories. I think two of them are like three minutes and one of them's like 15 minutes. Like little vignettes almost. But they're going to bring all three over and they're going to use it to help promote Pikmin as a franchise. And in their own right, they're actual stories. Like they're actual CG movies. The graphic fidelity is apparently ten times better than Pikmin 3. The, well, so, I mean, yeah, from what I've seen of them, they look Yeah, really the trailer really looks really good. If you guys haven't seen the trailer... It looks like um, they actually gave the, some personality to yes, each individual Pikmin. Even did. though they already kind of have personality. They fleshed them out a little, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they already do the supermodel pose when they're bored mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But yeah, there's, uh, we have the trailer linked to on the blog post. So for those listening, ramtown.com, episode 3, I think it's the last link, second last link in our list of news. Um, yeah, that's there. And it's definitely worth checking out because it looks good. But, but it seems like they're going, they're going to be doing... Um, these is heavy promotion. Oh, in addition, in addition to the graphic fidelity, two other kind of cool things. They now have up to 500 Pikmin on screen. The Game Boy can do 100. And they have stuff like real-time mud effects on them and that sort of thing. So they... It's like... I wouldn't say it's Pixar quality, but it's, you know, going in that direction of a real CG film opposed to just a game cutscene like they did with Wind Waker where they made... Remember the Wind Waker shorts on Nintendo Video? Oh. Those were awful. Uh, I don't even... Uh, don't remind me. I'm sorry. I already <laughs> did. But, uh, and, and the thing is, Miyamoto made it very clear that um, these are not going to be his new thing. He's not going to stop making games. This is just a little side project. Although I'm really curious to see how these turned out because uh, like we know Miyamoto makes good stuff, but we've never seen his pure, like, pure storytelling ability. All we see is like he knows how to do gameplay very well. And now when you take away the gameplay and you have his characters and you have them in his world, it'd be interesting to see what he does with them because this is like his pet project. He literally, he himself storyboarded the whole thing using, of all things, Flipnote Studio 3D, which never made it to the States. But he storyboarded yeah. the whole, all of them on Flipnote, or oh, so wow. he claims. And like, this is his this is his baby, so I'm really curious to see how it turned out. Like, what sort of storytelling it opens up an animation department? That'd be kind of cool. That actually, I mean, they are diversifying. They have and then we, and then we get like a Nintendo movie every like three years. The thing is, they, they could. They have 4.3 billion bucks in 30 cash. 30 minute silent films where they're not talking. It's just <laughs> yeah, that'd be a Zelda film where nothing happens, <laughs> basically, because no one can talk. It, it, it just follows, like, one of the cuckoos around, like, the village, just getting into all these shenanigans. And... Well, they could talk. They, they just could, want Link to talk. So then, then you can kind of see, like, Link in the background doing his thing, but the cuckoo just going so this it's gonna way. So Mag- it's going to be basically the Penguins of Madagascar spinoff movie, but about the cuckoos instead of the penguins. Because well, isn't the Penguins of Madagascar movie, it's set in the Madagascar world, but it's all about the penguins and the other characters just kind of there. Yeah, on but I kind of pictured it not more where the... I mean, the penguins are actual characters that actually have dialogue. I kind of pictured, like, the uh, camera is just following this cuckoo. The cuckoo is just kind of doing its thing. They don't really know right. that. It's, well, it's as, just long, a chicken. as long as it's, the chickens don't become smart Alex like the penguins. No, it's just the chicken <laughs> and that's wandering around. Yes. Um... They could do it, though, because they have, like, 4.2 billion bucks in their war chest, like, just in cash, ready to go. So, if they really wanted to invest in it, they they could they could do a movie studio. Um, you should convince them. Well, I think they're just got better luck partnering or doing shorts. Because I mean, like for example, 
the shorts for Pikmin, or like Bayonetta had. Uh, for, that was more Sega, but Bayonetta they licensed out yeah, to for Kidakers. Uh, um, they were also Kidikers, done by many different studios. They were done by a whole bunch of different anime studios, like yeah. renowned anime studios. I remember one of them was Bone, which are the people that did the Ace Attorney anime. I don't know why they didn't ever release those in a way where you can have them permanently. Or did they sell them? Do they sell them no, on the eShop? Nope. That's a missed opportunity. But but yeah, that pretty much does it for news for this oh, these couple man, of weeks. A Blu-ray release. Uh, they would never happen uh, before. Of the uh, Kedicris? Or just any kind of, any of their animations. Like, I would love to see a Blu-ray release of, like, the Pikmin ones. Well, they're gonna let you download them from the eShop. I don't know if it's gonna cost money or not, because here's the thing. They want, they're gonna coincide the release of their short movies with a new Pikmin 3 demo. In other words, they're doing a fresh marketing push. Probably because they realized that Pikmin 3 did not sell anywhere near what it could have or should have. It's a pretty niche game, though. Yeah, but the other, yeah. Pikmin 2 sold over a million copies. Pikmin Yikes. 3 came nowhere near that. So they're, they're giving it a fresh push now that they have a bigger audience and they're using the short films to do that in part and they're going to have a demo and everything. But, yeah, I imagine the videos are going to be free to download for Wii U and 3DS. Opposed to costing money. Mm. But we shall see. Uh, but yeah, that does, like I said, I said, I pretty much does it for news. We're, of course, going to have a lot more from the Times of Esther being next episode. But in the meantime, we've been playing... Our episode tile came courtesy of a wonderful game involving a witch. And another witch who went missing. So where the witch is at, where my witch is at, actually makes sense because her friend, a fellow witch, has gone missing and she must find her. That is literally the premise of Bayonetta 2. The pun is, that is multi-level deep. So, um, so you have played, Jose, like, um, a lot of Bayonetta 1 prior to Bayonetta 2, like, on the PS3. To prepare myself. Right, and I played, and I, and I jumped into Bayonetta 2 without any knowledge of the franchise. And I'm gonna go back and play Bayonetta 1, which makes no sense, but I was like, I'm just curious. And actually... Two Bayonetta, two's credit. Sure, I don't get some of the references. Sure, it takes yeah, me a little like, while to figure out the character. Like, already in the first like, few minutes, yeah. like, kind of, well, I feel like what you were going to say, they're just, at least all the references they've made so far have been more, like, um, jokes. As well, like, oh, I still yes. haven't paid you back for the card. Like, oh, that's funny because she broke his card, like, in the first, like, 30 minutes of the first game. Right. But, I mean, that's not going to change yeah. whether you understand the story or not. There are definitely moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a reference I don't get. But... It as a whole, like I understand it just fine. It's not like I'm lost in the yeah, story. Or, it, it, oh, it jumped right in, and I was like, okay. Or if anything, it's more like, um, like, oh, do you want to know more about the relationship between Bayonetta and John, which is the name of the other witch? Right, it's the like, witch oh. that goes missing. Yeah, because in the first game, you're pretty much fighting her the whole time. And, right, yeah. and now they're friends. Yeah, so well until she goes missing. Well, I know they're still friends even when she's missing. Uh, yeah. That's not a spoiler. That's literally in the prologue. But uh, yeah, so it is nice that they. I guess they do realize that. Well, when they first storyboarded it, they realized that people haven't played Bayonetta 1 if because it's on if it's, Nintendo. Yeah, especially on the Wii U. But obviously they've rectified that with Bayonetta 1 being included. Mm-hmm. But um, It's funny because I bought Bayonetta 1. I searched for it for a while until I found it on the case because I figured like, oh, they're probably not going to give us Bayonetta 1 and I want to play Part 1 before I play Part 2. But um, yeah, they came out with Part 1, so I pretty much played Part 1 for nothing. But I guess not because now actually you can compare it. Mm-hmm. But... um. It actually does look pretty different. Graphically, they're they're kind of the same, but the sixty frames per second makes it look so much nice and smooth. Oh the yeah, first one. yeah. Like the game in general, just yeah, looks like, gorgeous. Like I played um, I want to say like an hour or two of part one on the Wii U just to compare it with the right with the old one and in the Peach suit, just so I could see Bowser's hands come out. Yeah, but um, yeah, it just looks so much nicer. And um, because it's an action game, the sixty frames per second almost feel makes like a necessity. Difference. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for those who have never played a Bayonetta, just it, if you played any action game, you kind of know what to expect. You're literally, it's a pretty linear path. You're going point A, point B. Very low exploration. It's literally just go 
and go. And how it works, you just like walk through an area, then there's a fight, and like I remember. Yeah, it's like that. an old school beat em up. Through. Exactly. Yeah, you walk a little, you explore the surrounding area. It's yeah. not that much to explore. Which is like a giant room, essentially. Yeah, and then you just yeah, fight, stop, you're literally blocked off. It, it, that's yeah. literally every action, like God of War is exactly like right. this. The thing that just makes it different from that, I guess, even in God of War, you have two attack buttons. You have like a weak attack mm-hmm. and a strong attack. And this one, punch you kick. have punches and kicks. Yeah. But they're still kind of treated the same way. The, the thing where it adds a couple extra wrinkles or witch time in the climax thing. Or un, or ban, unburned well, sort of, climax. Yeah, like this one has unburned climax. God of War has rage mode. And they're, right. exactly they're the, the same, same thing. Exactly the same. Yeah, but does God, mo- or does God mode? Does God of War have a mode for the slow-mo thing? Or is that what no, that, that's, so that's, that's a little different. But they're, yeah. but they're both essentially, they do the same purpose. Like right. on, in, which, in which time, by dodging in the last second, you make everything go in slow motion and mm-hmm. you deal more damage. In God of War... Um, you do have a dodge, but it doesn't do anything if you dodge something, you just dodge. Right. But you have a counter that if you counter right in the last second, it stuns all the enemies around you, which could... It's the same, exactly. Yeah, so it's the yeah. same thing, but in one, you actually have to, like, get hit by it, and the other one, you're not getting hit by it. Yeah. But it's, it's the same thing. The nice thing about the action games in general... If and... you're good in one, you'll be good in the other. Right. And the nice thing about action games in general, Bayonetta, just an extreme example, because they're so, like, throw everything in there, whatever, let's go crazy, is that some of the attacks, like when you do the torture attacks, which apparently occasionally are triggered if you do a certain button press... Or if you do... Just whenever you fill your meter, so you... Oh, yeah. So yeah. you choose to either use I'm a torture... I meant triggered, like, you turn them on, you activate them with the button press. Oh, yeah. It it's like, usually, yeah, like, if... You could choose to do your torture attack, or you could choose to go unburn climax. So it, right. it still comes down to, do you want to, I guess, take down a bunch of enemies, or deal a lot of them and damage yeah. to one enemy? And the nice thing about torture, though, is that they're just entertaining. They're so, like... There's one where it's, like, a conveyor belt with spikes at the end. Like, there are all these different... Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're custom-made for each enemy, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a nice touch. And then, or you two do the climax where you're just, like, doing crazy. Your hair, which is also your clothes, because, obviously, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, it just goes everywhere, and you're attacking, like, ten enemies at once, and it's crazy. But the, the nice thing about this, and I kind of touched on this when we talked about the demo back in September when I got played at GameStop Expo, is Bayonetta does a really good, well, Bayonetta 2, I should say, I don't know about 1, but does a really good job of, like, catering to however you want to play it. Like, some action games, like, okay, you have to be really good at action games. Other action games, like, we'll go easy for the new players, and then you're stuck with an easy action game. But this one, like, actually walks the line very well, because it's, you know, you can either um, choose from different control options where you're doing full-on full-on button combos, a single button for all attacks, and it'll just automatically start doing combos, or touch controls, which, this was the first time I got to try those. It's a lot like Ninja Guy and uh, Dragon Sword for the DS, if uh-huh, you've ever played that. Yeah. It's very similar. It's actually, it's pretty fun, but it does feel a little dumbed down at times. But if you're not, you know, not an action game person, the touch controls are a fun way of doing it. The one thing I didn't like about them is that you mostly have to focus on the touch screen, on the gamepad, obviously, because you need to see what you're touching. And that's the first time, I think, ever that I've been playing on the gamepad, and I went, man, this resolution is definitely lower than HD. Like, because it looks so good on the TV right in front of me that when I looked at the gamepad to do the touch stuff, I'm like... This doesn't look that great because they put so much stuff going on in the game. There's so many bright colors and flashes and particle effects that just like it noticeably is a step down if you're playing on the gamepad. But you could do what I eventually did and start figuring out how to touch it without actually looking at it and using the TV. It just it's not as intuitive because you're looking at the wrong screen. But yeah, it's that's the one that's the first time in two and a half, almost three years of owning a Wii U. No, two years of owning a Wii U. It's not out for three years yet that I've gone. Huh, the screen's low res. So yeah. that kind of. But I'm not to say like these kind of games are hard because like them. I guess what I like about these kind of action games goes for all the other ones. Oh um, yeah, I was gonna make this point. Yeah, I think. pretty much. Um, it's not like other. I don't know. I guess I want to say open world games or where if you're fighting a mob of people, usually the AI will just wait for you to kill one person before you right. start attacking the other. But in this one, 
all the enemies will attack you whenever they feel like. Yeah. So you pretty much. Juggle. Yeah. So you always have to pay attention to like who's attacking you and when, especially because you want to be activating that witch time whenever you can. Mm-hmm. But then it gets harder when you're fighting enemies that. I guess, are inside your witch time portal or whatever. So right. pretty much when you dodge, you don't get witch time, which means you just have to be a lot that much more careful. Yeah. And the nice thing is, like, if that sounds too intense, which it might for some, um, the difficulty things are actually really good. So even if you want to do the hardest controls, you can still... The difficulties are actually noticeably different. Like, the easiest mode, first climax, is literally, like, you'll just play through games. So if you're there for the story, it'll get you through. It actually, like... You just, you're playing to get from story point to story point. You're not really playing for a high score, which is a major component. Of the other ver- uh, the other difficulties, second climax is like normal, so you know there'll be a challenge. But if you're good at action games, it'll be fine. In other words, I'm on normal. And third Why? difficulty you is you have to uh, play on the hardest difficulty. You see, I I don't, and I didn't. Then but, you see the true vision of like, yeah yeah. Of third, I tried third climax low because you could switch as with any action game. You could switch between difficulties, pretty much between chapters or stages. Uh, so the the third climax is insane. Just just saying, it's nuts. <laughs> like it's great for hardcore action fans, but for me, I was like, no, this is a little too much. But it's so cool that like they were able to offer that diverse amount of difficulty without actually, like, hindering the game in any way. Because there's a lot of games that, like, people complain it was made to be too easy for people or it was too hard for some people, da 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 da, da but this, like, they did a good balance. Yep. Which the controls factor into. Um, and, of course, it's probably worth mentioning. I should say, by the way, even on normal difficulty, even on normal difficulty, I'm still only getting, like, bronze silver. Bronze and, uh, bronze medals and occasionally stone medals. I'm still sucking. So that's why I didn't do third, the third difficulty, because I would just game over, like, mad. And I do want to, like, learn the story. It's an interesting story. I mean, there are some parts of the story that are definitely like, yeah, this is a Japanese game. That did not make sense. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is actually pretty well written. I think the guy, I'm blanking out of his name. Right, uh, mob, Italian dude. Huh? The Italian guy. The forget about it guy. Oh, I forgot to think, but... Yeah, the, like, assistant to be in that story. Yeah. He, okay, well, he is, like, the most like stereotypical New York Italian ever. But more to the point, someone at either Nintendo or Platinum Games should probably research when you're supposed to say forget about it. Like, the forget about because he said in, like, the most random context that it didn't make sense. Like, it's like, oh, uh, I can't remember one of them, but it's something where it's, like, he was using it like a, oh, well, that's not how you use it. <laughs> but that's a very minor nitpick. For the most part, stories are good. The cutscenes yeah. are well done. The graphics look great. Well, I, I think people should also, like, if you think you're going to get a super deep story something, like, don't... I guess oh, no, 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 it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, like, the... You're there for the quips. Yeah, you, else. I mean, I don't want to say you have to turn your brain off for it, but you kind of just have to just take everything as it goes and just... I don't know. Just, here's the thing, It's just for fun, I guess. Yeah, here's yeah, the it's, thing. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a fun, entertaining... Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the Fast and Furious. Not metal, it's not Metal Gear. It's Even like though the, some cutscenes can get pretty long. Right, right. Not that quite long, though. Yeah. yeah, it's like Fast and Furious in a way, which is a very topical reference because the new trailer just came out. Uh, but it's like Fast and Furious. If you turn off your brain and one, run with the logic within, it's super awesome and crazy and great. But as soon as you start thinking about it, you're like, yeah, that, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, for example, like, no, you can't be on an airplane on a runway in, at the end of uh, Fast and Furious 6 for, like, 15 minutes and the plane still hasn't taken off. There's no runway on Earth that is long enough to do that. Yeah, or even, like, or even just know. in the beginning, this is in the demos, but, like, there's a part where you're fighting on top of jets. Yep. And, I don't know, it just looks like Bayonetta and um, the genre. John. Yeah, it just looks like they're in control of the jets. Cause oh, yeah, because like, they fly past each other and they're, like, perfectly... Like, yeah, the jets are, like, basically doing, like, they're, they're, almost they're just, like a, a letterboxing of the screen and they're in the middle. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just synchronized. I mean, it, yeah. looks, it looks goofy and hilarious. It but, looks like, great. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing, though, is I love the creativity of the game so much. Like, I mentioned when I first played the demo that, like, I really like the Venice level 
where like the whole stage just does an inception like fold in on itself almost but like later stuff in the game and even enemy design is just super good like it's you're constantly surprised by what you see they're like the enemy where his head is not even like it's in his weapon <laughs> like oh. he's like a headless guy and they're like wait where's his head and he's talking and it like pans over and he's like oh right of course it's in the weapon that makes sense but it's just like uh the, actually the enemy design's really cool i really like the like gold stuff they did like the angels or the, oh yeah the angels the, really the, nice the demons job. like they don't yeah they're just nice compliments yeah they did a really good job with that and i think um yeah, I think just the fact that they were just like, you know what, it doesn't matter what we do. Anything works in this game, and they ran with it. And then when they did decide to run with it, they actually paid attention to the small details. Like that stage, I suppose, the, well, again, chapter one, just a good example. Um, the fact that it looks like Venice, it doesn't just look like Venice. It looks just like Venice. Like, I can recognize individual, like, pockets of Venice in the stage. Because Venice is, like, Venice is weird in that, like, it's all a bunch of miscellaneous canals, but if you kind of know your way around, like, after spending a few days there, you can kind of go, oh, right, that bridge is to here, this bridge is to that, no two bridges look the same. And I saw, like, individual bridges, and, like, that was a block from my hotel. I recognize that bridge. So, like, they actually did their research. Oh, and... you and Mr. Culture. Sure, yes. <laughs> I know about bridges and so cultured. <laughs> but, no, the point being, like, they went crazy and did ridiculous stuff, but then they actually, like, kind of put it in some sense of realism. Like, they made it, they said, we're going to do a crazy idea, but we're going to do it right. So, and that kind of sums up the game in general, that we're going to go crazy, but we're going to do it right. We're going to make it the, one of the best yeah, action games It definitely seems like it was get. worth the way for a lot of people that were, yeah. that love Bayonetta 1, but were hoping for a sequel and actually put the money down and get it on the Wii U. Like, yeah. It seems like it was worth it. And I really do like... Pretty good reception all around, Yeah, too. it is. And I really, really do like that they decide to make it so much more colorful. Like, the first game's so... I understand why the first game's so the, brown, because, the like, beginning is pretty... I mean, it does get pretty colorful later. Yeah, uh, well, I haven't played your band. Well, yeah, then. Really. But from trailers and stuff, this one... It, like, it, if you watch no, the no, trailer yeah, for it, this and trailer for that, it's, no, yeah, like, it, 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 it is pretty different, but, like, it's, it's not all brown. There's, there's, right, some, right. there's some blacks. And, oh, and some and is there some red? And some sepia. And some red? No red? They're not crazy enough to put red in uh, there? Because there's red all over this for the gore, but there's also a lot of gold. Yeah. And purple. Yeah, they kept the gold and purple for this one. But um, the other thing is the Nintendo tie-ins are nice. Apparently, ba uh, Platinum Games decided to do these and then consult Nintendo after they did. But all the costumes are great. There's I don't want to spoil it. Oh man, those but are there's an awesome Star Fox ref Star Fox thing later in the game that makes me want Platinum Games to just go ahead and make a Star Fox game. That's all I'm gonna say. But like they're like this is definitely a uh, like they put their blood, sweat, and tears into this. You know, even little things like referencing Wonderful 101 a couple times, like Wonder Toys at the beginning, or that's or having the music for Wonderful 101 in one part. Like I was just like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, one of the female villains or one of the women that you fight in the hell world looks almost exactly like one of the yeah. characters from Wonderful 101. And on the flip side of that, they just announced that you can unlock Bayonetta in Wonderful 101. They have a cheat code that they just, Platinum Games just put out to let, yes, a cheat code, like in the 90s to let you get Bayonetta. So it's kind of cool that they have all this synergy between the two. We have a link for those who want it to the cheat code um, courtesy of IGN over at the blog post for this episode. But yeah, it's, it's just a really fun game. Like there's not, there's not a ton we there's not a ton to say because it's like once you get an act, once you understand how an action game works but how this action game works and you get the idea that they just went crazy with it it's like okay you just go play like you don't want to say too much because part of the fun is the surprise yeah. but like the fact I think I tweeted this but basically if you have a game where your prologue has you flying on top of a jet and then you go get ricocheted into a building and then out of that building comes a giant dragon who you then fight on top of the spire of the building and that's all in the first 30 minutes you're in for a good experience it's a fun game I would. I think um, for those who haven't tried an action game, I think the fact that they made it so easy to jump into with the difficulty and control options 
that, you know, this is a good one to start with. And it comes with Bayonetta 1, so you could do what I did and play them backwards, or you could play them in order. Either way, you're getting two games for the price of one. You're basically paying 30 bucks or 40 bucks for Bayonetta 2, and then getting Bayonetta 1 for 30 or 20 However you look at it, it's a good deal. So yeah, I would highly recommend it. Um, if, you, if people could pull themselves away from Smash Bros, Bayonetta is definitely worth checking out. And I um, hope it does well sales-wise, because I want Final Games to keep making stuff for Nintendo. Yeah, this is I recommend it too. Yeah. So what's this about a secret code? Oh, what I was saying... Uh, thanks for paying attention on our own podcast, not King. Uh, what I was saying is uh, Wonderful 101, they revealed... Platinum Games just announced a few days ago that you can unlock a Bayonetta character in Wonderful 101 using a cheat code, like 90s-style cheat code. And we have a link to it on the blog post. Oh. But I was just saying that's cool, because not only does this have references to Wonderful 101, but now Wonderful 101 also, all along, you, has had secret Bayonetta references. I mean, I remember you saying about the music, but... Oh, yeah, 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 the music's in this. Is yeah, that's it, that. yeah. yeah. And then I mentioned the, the demo. But yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, go get Bayonetta, and thanks for listening to the podcast, <laughs> and that kind of does it for this episode. Um, we'll be back in two weeks on November 16th with a full assessment of whatever additional news comes out of the investor Q&A, presumably more about that crazy quality of life cloud, and who knows what else. Um, we also, if you haven't been to the site lately, check out our latest vidbit that we did for Halloween, which of course is a little two days old now, but it's never it's never too late to watch zombies. We play zombie U multiplayer. I die a lot. Jose dies a little less. Actually no, we die the same we amount. Die the I die time. more quick I die quicker. Jose, except except yeah, one time. Except one time. Out of eight. It's sad. No, but it's it, it's fun to go revisit such a unique Wii U experience because you know like no one really did asymmetric gameplay after launch. And Zombie U did it really well. So go check out that vidbit. It's on the site. It's appropriately just called Zombie U. You can also find it on our YouTube channel which uh, is just youtube.com slash randomnintendo.com. So we couldn't get Random Nintendo. It was taken. So um, that pretty much does it. Like I said, first episode, be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Random Nintendo. Make sure you don't miss any other stuff coming to the site. And our next episode, we'll have the investor Q&A. We'll have probably Pokemon Auras, impressions of the demo, and the latest news on it. If you want to hear what we have to say about games between now and then, on Twitter, I'm JSR7. Jose is Wero, W-I-R-O underscore O. That's also how you can find him on Meverse to friend or follow, and you can find me at Jason R. So that does it. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, yeah, go back to Smash Bros. or go by Bayonetta or go do something game related. I don't know. <laughs>